Were you the man? Were you like a coxman? <laughs> On today's show. James, James, James. Welcomes back comedian, writer, and late late show host James Corden. James Corden. All right. Want some um, sanitizer? I actually just sanitized pre. Yeah, sanitize. I don't really, really. Do I need to? What a catchy opening song I have. Isn't it nice? You got a lot. I'm reading the paper. I'll be with you in about 15 minutes. Everybody just hang on. It's funny. I, uh, everybody's into this move that Ronnie's making. Uh, I woke up this morning. I saw my wife. She got up before me. So she was in the kitchen already. And she said to me, do you know it's a hun- it's going to be 116 degrees in Las Vegas today? I know. I think everybody's saying it. The temperature in Vegas is on everyone's lips. And then I went for a walk yesterday, and I said, hey, Siri, what's the uh, temperature in Las Vegas? I keep checking the temperature in Las Vegas. It was 113. And it's not even summer yet. Yeah. A lot of people write me fan mail saying that I'm really mean to Ronnie. I, geez, I... What? You're trying to say you love him, and you don't I know. believe. And the people don't get it. I don't know. They How think that's they mean. that part? I, if I was Ronnie, I think Ronnie's going to miss snow. I think he's going to actually, because he goes, have fun. Whenever you go, it's 116 degrees in Vegas. He goes, have fun in the snow in winter. <laughs> I'm like, well, right now it's 85 degrees in Vegas because it's 4 a.m. And you know, right. the sun hasn't come Before up. Before the sun comes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what a lot of people like to do in Vegas is um, get up at around 2 in the morning and Hang out they all night. They get everything done. Yeah. And then you they sleep, go to during, sleep the during the day. During the day. We're we're people's notes to me. Yeah, I'm really shocked. I really do love Ronnie. I don't want him to go. I don't. I feel funny with him leaving New York. I don't know. Uh, here, I'll read it to you, it's real quick. What people think of me? They think I'm a monster. That I'm <laughs> such a mean guy, and I guess I am a mean guy, but. I don't know. I don't know. If enough people say it, it must be true. Uh, <laughs> on Monday's show, we continue to talk about Ronnie's upcoming move to Las Vegas. Many in the audience believe I am being too hard on Ronnie. Leave Ronnie alone. Oh, yeah, that'll be a good show. I'm going to leave Ronnie alone. That's what I'll do. Thank goodness they're not running the show. Yeah, there's a concept. Leave everyone alone. <laughs> Let's see what kind of show leave we Leave Ronnie alone. Leave Sal yeah. alone. Leave High Pitch Eric alone. Why is it with my show, everybody seems to know best what to do except for me? You know, and people write reviews of my show, what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing. Leave Ronnie alone. The I stuff they you... hated before, now they're angry that you changed. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny to me. But anyway, evidently, I don't know what to do with the show, but they do. Leave Ronnie alone. My parents retired to Vegas and loved it. My dad even took a position doing security for the late, great Joan Rivers. Wow. Would Ronnie consider doing security out there to keep busy, or is he really done? No, he's really done. Yeah, Ronnie just wants to sit by the pool. Right, that pool. I can't wait to see that pool. 
You know, I've got a pool. I sit by it for about 12 minutes. Yeah. And then I go, I got to go inside. And I got so much I want to do. And it's, it's fucking boring. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's nice having a body of water to jump into every once in a while. But it's not the thrust of my life. I go, Ronnie, what are you going to do in Vegas? Sit by the pool. <laughs> oh, okay. Good luck with that. You know, in fact, in Vegas, Ronnie has sat by the pool, except what's going on is a bikini contest. At your house, they right. don't have a bikini contest. Yeah, there's a hotel that's arranging festivities. <laughs> to keep you from getting up and leaving and being bored. And a bar and a whole bunch of other things. Right. They'll bring you nope. food. They'll bring you everything. Don't you worry about me. I'm going to sit by the pool. Okay. <laughs> and what? Boil like an egg? Hard-boiled Ronnie. So here's what the, the newspaper in Vegas says. The excessive heat warning says, drink plenty of fluids, stay in an air-conditioned room, stay out of the sun, and check up on relatives and neighbors. They have a big warning out until Saturday at 9 p.m. that we got to wow. call each other. Like have a buddy system in Vegas in case That's somebody right. drops dead. Are you still breathing? Hmm. It says here, excessive heat warning. Quote, extreme risk of injury or death for those left in vehicles. Well, that, don't sit in a vehicle. Stephanie, don't leave Ronnie in a vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> Howard, why are you on Ronnie's back every day? You're going to feel so bad if Ronnie has a heat stroke and dies in Vegas. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm the only one telling him not to go. That's you guys should the feel warning bad. system. Yeah. Look at this warning. It says, please check up on the elderly like Ronnie. And they give Ronnie as an example. In the, uh, in the... <laughs> they have his face. Please check up on this man. Yeah. If Ronnie has a heat stroke and dies in Vegas, you'll, you'll feel bad. To be honest, I'd rather live out there than shoveling snow. Okay, a lot of the shoveling snow concept. Yes. Should yeah. we get Ronnie as a going away present one of those uh, bracelets where if you fall down, it'll Absolutely. call a number? No joke. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Because of the heat. Um, anyway, there were some other things about Ronnie. People saying he gives great advice. Believe it or not, Ronnie gives great advice. Over the last five years, he has advised me on relationships and family. No bullshit. He's a true guru. A Mary Poppins who comes in, changes your life, and then he's off to help the next guy. The truth is he affected my life more than anyone. Ronnie. Wow. I guess on uh, Twitter. So there that's you go. amazing. I wonder what was wrong with his life. I would love to know what Ronnie helped him with. <laughs> Dear Ronnie, my chick's pussy is dry. Please help. What you need to do is, is, is rub that thing and then spit on it. Yeah. On the pussy. Ronnie, thank you. You've, you've changed my life. What could it be? What could be this change? Yeah, give us um, specifics. Oh, we were discussing Ronnie's social media, and we mentioned that he's been promoting products on his Twitter and Instagram, and he was like, I didn't promote any product. But here's audio of, of, of a commercial he did for Funky Buddha Beer on his what? Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Funky Buddha Bear. Beer. Bear. Beer. Funky Buddha. Nope. Coco something. 
Kuyati. Is that what it is? 12-ounce bottle, 11.7% alcohol. Pretty heavy stuff, man. When I'm done with this, I won't be able to talk to you anymore. So I'm going to tell you it's good because I took the first sip. By the time I'm done, I'll probably be laying on my ass. See, he's doing commercials. And it sounded like there was music behind him on the beginning of the commercial. Yeah, he's got a soundtrack of his life. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe there's always music playing behind Ronnie. But Ronnie says he doesn't do commercial endorsements. He doesn't remember but, doing that? What's going on? I don't know. But anyway, a lot of people uh, commenting on uh, us saying uh, that I'm not a... Ronnie, I love you dearly. I do. I don't know why people have this impression that I'm picking on you. I'm just concerned. Uh, I, I don't know. How you Do you check the weather in Vegas or you never look at it? No, I hear about it. I have, you know, I talk to my friends there, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I've been there when it's that hot. Yep, you like it. I lived through it. I'm still here. Yeah, you liked it. I did. Yeah, there you go. I did. All right, Ronnie says he likes 113 degree weather. And, and and as far as the funky Buddha thing, I mean, the guys, like I said, the guys sent me a bunch of shit, and then I went on Instagram and it's I commercial. Just, uh, no, you commercial. gave him a commercial endorsement. I was doing a thank you. Right. That's called a commercial. No, it's a thank you. You got a free product and you did a, a plug for it. No, That's I commercial. thank you. I was telling everybody right. how good it was. That's all. Look, I, Ronnie, you, if you wanted to thank them, you write them a note. I did. You did a commercial. I did, that also. I did write them a note. I but you don't know you did a commercial? No, I didn't do a commercial. You, <laughs> what is a commercial? I know it. I know it's an advertisement for a product. I know what a commercial is. I'm not and an idiot. And so they name the product and they tell you how yeah, good okay, it is, Robin, right? Robin. Okay. <laughs> I like the beer. I t- I went on Instagram and I did a, a thing for it. Okay. Commercial. You want to call? You want to call it a commercial? Fine. Robin, you call it a commercial. Ronnie calls it a thing. To me, it was I did a, a thing. To me, it was a thank you. Okay. <laughs> it was a thing. If I if I re. Retweet Where's somebody's... my thank you commercial? I How come I don't get a thank you? I thank you all the time. Not on Instagram. No. No, he doesn't want me to do that. <laughs> I I didn't do a commercial. I just got on there and told everyone how good the beer was. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Got it. That's not a commercial. Okay. All right. No, I'm agreeing with you. Robin, that's not I a commercial. It's not a commercial. <laughs> All right, you go it sounded on. like a commercial to me. When somebody sends a product to your door for free, and then you get on and you thank them, that's not a commercial. No, it's a thank you. It's a thank you. Right. Why do you a have commer- to thank them in public? Why not? What's the big if it, deal? If that's it was a commercial, social, Ronnie, that, what would you have done? What would you have... Is that what social have, media is for? If it was a commercial, what would you have done differently? Oh, no, it probably would have said, you know, go buy this product, go to the store. It's in this store. Right. It's in that store. I didn't say what store it was. I didn't say where oh. it was. All right. That's fair enough. Okay. I guess said, you got me there. Do they say where it's every available. time you hear a Budweiser? Whatever. Come on. Stop the shit now, please. <laughs> Come on. By the way, later in the show, I am going to be thanking Zip Recruiter. <laughs> Uh, if lest anyone think it's a commercial, I'm just going to thank them. You don't do commercials. Not, not, I do not. Let me ask you a question. Hello. Go ahead. Let me ask you a question. Ask me so a question. If somebody, if somebody puts something up on Twitter and I favorite or retweet it, is that a commercial? Right. 
No. Is that a commercial? Depends. Not is it a product? It's a product. Is it a product? It's not if it's like a friend of yours who says, Ronnie. Um, or Hot Chick of the Week. Here's, yeah, here's a girl. A girl here's a girl I think is good looking or something like, you know, something where it, there's no product endorsement. But if somebody, if you say, hey, here's a, um, a motor oil that I really like and I suggest everyone get it, it's a commercial. It's a review. It's a commercial. But it's still going to help the company. Now, it's usually, a because it's an officially commercial where services are exchanged. So whether they pay you or they give you free product, there's a payment involved. That's why you ever notice, Ronnie, all the years you were with me, and you've been with me 35 years, a lot of times sponsors want to give me free stuff, and I go, no, I, I don't want to be beholden to the sponsor. I don't want to be beholden to that person. So I reject it, even though it's very tempting to get a free. Sometimes people want to give me a free car, believe it or not. And I go, no, because then I lose the ability to be myself and criticize. So, yeah, I mean, I've been offered a lot of free stuff, but I don't take it because I don't want to be accused of doing a commercial. Okay, so think? if somebody yeah. if somebody sends me something that right. I didn't ask for. That's right. I'm supposed to, should I just reject it and send it back? No. You can do whatever you want. You can drink it. Do whatever you want. They sent it but to I you. Can't, but, but, I can't, but I can't say anything about it. That Well, that, that you I can do whatever you want. It. But what they're doing is they re, they're looking at you and calling you a dummy by doing that. Because they're going to go, hey, look, watch this idiot. We'll send them some beer. And instead of paying him, he'll just get on there and plug it. Right. They're, they're, they're using you in, as a uh, puppet. This funky Buddha beer. They know, they, they, they've had a meeting. They go, who's really, like, who's got some uh, followers? We could just send a couple of cans of beer, and instead of them asking us for money, it's just going to fucking go on and promote it anyway. And they, they went down the list, and they found you. <laughs> well, there were other people. Them. I'm not going to mention names. Yeah, mention them. No. Well, yeah, nobody else did what you did. They tried well, a I... number of portals, Man. and yours was the one that cracked. No, Man. that's not true. That's not true? There were other... There were other, other portals. Other yeah. yeah, but I'm just saying. There were they, comments from other people on social media? Yes. Okay. Then they had a lot of... Idiots, okay? Yeah. Right. I, <laughs> I didn't want to say. Not us. <laughs> right. Well, I, I'll, I'll help you out. I'll be nice today. <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you out with that. No, I mean, and like Robin said, it made the point uh, adequately, but I'll say it again. That uh, if you really want to thank them, you write them a note and say thank you for the beer, and I, that's it. I did that but, also. But, you're doing, you're going overboard. They didn't right. really care if you wrote them a note. They you're really what they call you to in talk the advertising about them on Instagram. You're what they call in the advertising business a cheap date. <laughs> they right. got you under that list, you know. Yeah. Hey, do you ten- realize what happens if the Kardashians mention a product? What right. that sponsor had to do for them? Yep. But they don't give it away for free. That's no. I'm saying what the sponsor had to do for them. I'm they just didn't just ni- send them I guess something I'm too, for I'm free. Too nice a guy. Too nice a guy. Yeah, I don't. Too nice I, I don't ask for You're money. Easy. I don't ask for money. I didn't never right. ask for money from anything for anybody. Nor should you. Oh yes, you did. Nope. <laughs> you don't nope. drive Howard for free. <laughs> no, I'm. To- mm. I'm talking about a product. What are you breaking my balls for? No, it's, listen. Just know like what I, you're getting I into. I promote my friend's helicopter company all the time. Right. But I, I don't get nothing in return for that. Hoff, you don't get what? helicopters. 
<laughs> I don't get anything in return. Leave me alone. All right. Okay. What did he just say? Listen, it's 113 said, degrees in Vegas. That's yeah, right. right. His brain is frying. No, no. It'll well, be fine. Don't worry. Let me this. just say something. Joey's I, tomato I, sauce. It's the best. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And Trojan condoms. They're the fucking best. And, <laughs> right. and I also, I I also got a case of squirt mops for, for, for the condoms. woman who squirts. Right. Anyway, uh, the reason, for those of you who wrote in and think that I don't like Ronnie, I love Ronnie. I'm very upset that he's leaving. I don't like hey, listen, it. And I'm, I know Ronnie I, is going to be upset, upset about too. it. I'm Should up, be. I'm upset, and I'm glad I'm still going to be with the show, and I'll still have a connection. Um, But, yeah, it's it's like a whole, you know, end of a, a lifetime, you know, of a life here, you know? Yeah. This is just some crazy notion you have, like like getting funky Buddha beer free commercials. I, you know, what, is, what does that have and, to do? With and, but now this time you've sold your house and you're going to Vegas, and then you're never yeah. going to admit you're miserable there. You're going to be sitting by that why would I, ten minutes, why would you picking say, your why asshole. Would you, why would you think I would be miserable if I made the decision to do it? Because you make a lot of bad decisions. You've never no, been miserable don't. with a decision you've made. Yeah, well. Sometimes, but not not this time. <laughs> not not this time. You don't know yet. <laughs> listen. No, I, it's sitting by a pool is a, a good, you know, no, hey, listen, it's my retirement. I, I'm going to sit by a pool. And, uh, no, you know. No, I'll, you, I'll be doing things. Uh, three days what? a week, I'll be with the show. I'll yeah. have to get up at 3.30 in the morning to be on at 4. Right. Okay. That's okay. three days a week. All right. I, I'm, All right, we got I, you know, three I'm, days. Yeah. <laughs> we got three <laughs> Three mornings covered. Go ahead. Thursday, I'll be staring yeah, so at Stephanie's but, snatch. I'll, I'll, believe me, I'll find things to do. I got what, my But cars, you've never, I'll, ever, I'll, I'll, since I, I know you. play with. I got, you know. Cars. My, my real cars, not my, my toy cars. Right. I'll, I'll find things to do. Don't worry. Since I've and known I you. Wanna, it, listen, you know what's great? If I don't want to do anything, I don't have to. Oh, you won't be doing anything. That's what's great. Since I know him. He gets bored so quick. Like, if there isn't stimulation around this guy, he gets depressed. <laughs> like, he literally has no other interests. I know him. And this notion that I'm going to spend all day by the pool. No, I didn't. I'm not going to spend. Endless hours at this pool. No. In, in 113 degree weather. In hot it, water, he's going to yeah. spend his time. And he's got such a network of friends in New York. He's got family and friends here. That, you know, he went berserk during this um, lockdown. COVID, yeah. Yeah. So he was like, New York sucks because he can't, he couldn't see anybody. Then he's going to move away from everybody who loves him and is around him and all his pals. And once we get back to normal and all the guys who work here, who he hangs out with and has a blast oh my with. Oh, God, yeah. Well, he, it's just, it's ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. He should have stayed here. He knows it. No. Hey, I can always little come buddies. back, get on a plane and come back and visit if I feel like oh, coming back. Now, he's, now he has to fly here to get a, a stimulation. Right. You could have flown oh, to, to Vegas visit. for a couple to of weeks. You want to get out of the snow. Right. In the winter, if you went down to Vegas for oh, a couple of weeks, I would have understood. But you have to make a whole big life change during a pandemic what? when you were depressed. What's, what's wrong with that? There's nothing All wrong right. with change. There's nothing wrong with change. By the way, on our phone is the CEO of Buddha Beer, Funky Buddha Beer. He wants to say something to Ronnie. Yes, sir. Howard, I just want to promise you 100% because we love you and we love the show. There's absolutely no commercials being done with Ronnie. 
We are just right. friends with Ron. And Ronnie, did you get the new uh, Hopgun IPA we sent you with 50 IBUs and the caramel grapefruit flavor profile? Ha, ha, ha. Why he hasn't mentioned it yet on his Instagram? <laughs> yeah, we're going to need you to mention that this week. I'd like you to mention it's available year-round. It's an East Coast, East Coast IPA with uh, pineapple flavor profiles. Great. We'll email all this to, uh, to your assistant. We'll get it over to you, Ronnie. Right. And, and, and he'll do it on Instagram, but he'll also send you a personal thank you, okay? <laughs> By the way, we have a repeatable IPA. It's low in calories and right. high in hop flavor. We're going to need to mention that. You can do that next week. That's a summer, summer one we got coming out. Could you send Ronnie copy to read uh, into his Instagram when you uh, send the free beer? Oh, we do. Of course we do. And we have a new Floridian okay. Heffy Wise in beer we're going to be sending you, Ronnie. You're going to love it. <laughs> Thank you. This Thank you. Is the best pineapple beer I ever tasted. Thank you, Funky Buddha. There's another beer review. What's it taste like, though, at least? I don't know. It's hard to say. Some kind of, like, cocoa flavor? Like coconut? Yeah, but co- like cocoa coconut. Okay. Something like that? Like a like a uh, day on the beach? Oh, for sure. I mean, two of these and you're out dead. You're dead on the beach. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Great commercial, Just a little, huh? little thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's that. And no, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about Ronnie checking the weather in Vegas, and uh, I'm upset about it. I don't it. check it. I don't check. I do. I check it every day now when I go on my walk. I go <laughs> why? Because I go, hey Siri, what's the because th- I want to see what you're going to be doing. I'm I'm concerned. You're going to be in 113 degree weather. You're not a young chicken anymore. You think it's a joke? I'm fine. People are dropping There's dead left and right. Warnings to people. They probably I'll have cooling stations out there. Ronnie's going to be trying to find some air conditioning. I'll right. be fine. I'm going to put a fan on my walker. <laughs> I don't have a walker. Walker. Yeah. Oh, and you you heard what Robin said. If, if Stephanie leaves you in the car, you're dead meat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stephanie, roll down the window. <laughs> Oh my God, it's unbelievable. Well, listen, I, you listen. I love Ronnie, and I I'm, I hate that he's leaving. I think it is something he should talk to me about a little more seriously. I did I'm talk good. to you about it. Yeah, but you know, I didn't we think you'd ever through, really do it. We talked I didn't think you'd do it. Pandemic about it, and I said yep. he was doing it. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to miss you. Yeah, I'm gonna he's miss got you he's too, got all me. kind of family here. He knows well, he knows that, and yeah, he's I, got. I, Listen, leaving everybody. People do that all the time. They, they We're not talking you know, about people. We're talking about you. Kids grow up and mm-hmm. they have other interests and, you know, they don't have time for their old parents or old grandparents or whatever. And, you know, they can always mm-hmm. get on a plane and come visit, you know. They're yeah, old yeah. enough to get on a, a plane. A lot of time for that. And I can come back and visit too. They're not going to want to visit. It's 118 degrees there. When are they going to visit? Yeah. Where are they going to go? All right. I'll tell you what. If you want to endorse something on your Instagram, you better start endorsing air conditioners because you're going to need them. <laughs> and generators. You right. don't want that air conditioning to go out. Air conditioner. Hey, Stephanie. patio shades. Yeah. Hey, Stephanie, how do you like them patio shades we just <laughs> yeah. did? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like a coconut color. What do you think? I think it's really good. Yeah. It keeps me very high. It's got a this 40 the, SPF. 
I don't know. I went to the front door. I don't know how they got my address, but I got a new air conditioner. Hey, <laughs> look at that. This is pretty good. Holy well, shit. Fine with me. Right. Look at this. They sent to my address free waters. Good thing. We don't have any here in Vegas. And salt tablets. <laughs> so when you get dehydrated, you don't lose so much water. Right. Wow. Mm -hmm. Look at this. I just got a fan mm. and a block of ice from the yeah. pool. And this fan <laughs> blows hard. Stephanie, look. I just got a camel. <laughs> they, I don't know how they got my address. Uh, anyway, I only kid because I, I, I'm going to miss Ronnie. I don't like it. Yeah, we don't like him going. When are you leaving? Uh, I'm not exactly sure yet. I'm waiting for... Uh... Give me an ETA. I'm waiting for a closing somewhere probably between um, the 15th and 30th of July. Oh, my God. It's when it's hottest there. Oh, okay. my God. Yeah, you won't. Right. I've been there in July the plane, and August, the, dude. The tires will right. melt. Be, be careful, man. i July and August. <laughs> Believe me. And but I'm your house isn't around. ready, the one you're building. So where are you going? You got a place to stay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you close on your house that day, you're going to get on the plane and go to Vegas, and that's it. No more like Ronnie in New York. Much, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Wow. People, the people want us out. Right. Right out. Right out. Boom. And then right out. to Vegas. Right. Jesus. Well, good luck. I'm just afraid he's going to dry up Have like you seen a frog. This place you're going to be staying in Vegas while you're waiting for the house to get done. Yeah. Where did you see it online? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A friend, yeah. We have. Yeah. I have a friend. I have a friend. You had somebody go look at this. Book. Checked it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The funky Buddha I, I have friends yeah. out there, whether you believe it or not. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no, I know no. you I do. I just want to make sure hey, Kurt, that you that, are doing yeah, everything I know. you need to the do. The friends that the friends that yeah. once I move there will move away, right? I know. No, no. I know all those friends. I know the new friends. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Uh, you yeah, don't I know. know all the. No, you mm -hmm. don't. You don't know those friends. <laughs> Hollywood Ronnie friends. I know. Not ho no, absolutely not. Not right. Hollywood Ronnie. No, Vegas Believe Ronnie me. friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Vegas Ronnie friends. Exactly. Yeah. Ve Celine Vegas. Dion. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we all going to... that. The only reason we talk about this is because we love Ronnie. We don't want to see him go. There's a lot of people upset about it. Uh, I know the strip clubs are happy down there because I, I imagine they got for a air week. conditioning. That's where Hot Ronnie's right. going to be. He's going to yeah. be in the middle of a strip club in the uh, afternoon. Let me tell you people how to run this club. I've been to a <laughs> lot of strip clubs all over the country. You might need a consultant. I could see. I have a friend that runs one. I know. The new friends. Got it. No, no. This is an old, old friend back in the scores day. Let's go to uh, Nate. Hey, now. Hey, now. Hey, Howard. Uh, just wanted to say and give Ronnie some advice. I used to live out in Vegas years ago. You got to invest in powder because your balls are going to get sweaty, Ronnie. <laughs> They're going to stick to your legs, and oh, you're not so going to be able to walk. You're going to have yeah, trouble okay. walking. Right, right. Okay. Man, it wasn't even warm here yesterday. I was having that issue. My balls, my my balls on the left side were sticking to my left thigh. I was really? in bed. They weren't in that little sack they're supposed to be in. I don't know what happened last night, but <laughs> Beth was sleeping, and all of a sudden, I'm like, Jesus! I'm all irritated on my uh, by my balls. 
So I uh, I took a tissue and put it between my thigh and my balls. I fell asleep <laughs> like a baby. Well, we're not young uh, spring chickens anymore, Howard. They're going to yep. start sticking to our knees before long. And oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what happened to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can't wear shorts out there. It's all the if you wear the powder, you're gonna leave a trail everywhere you go. <laughs> you, you got to wear light pants out there, Ronnie. Oh, Imagine Ronnie yeah. sitting by the pool in his new yeah, bathing suit. Kane, and like the, you're not a Superman. You're getting old, buddy. You got Nobody said you got Nobody the said I was a Superman. Okay. No, well, he thinks the heat's you not gonna bother him. Dressed like Dean Cain. Yeah. Yeah. Ronnie, you have Ronnie's body, not Dean Kane's body. Yeah, I know all about it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Howard, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. Thank all you. Right, man. Later. Great, great guest. We'll, awesome. We'll at least be able to find Ronnie. We'll follow the powder trail. Right. I'm, I was picturing Ronnie sitting by the pool. He gets up to get a drink or something because he's thirsty. And like out of the bottom of his bathing suit, you see his balls and some hair. You know what I mean? <laughs> What the fuck are my no, balls see, doing you there? You don't see any hair. You don't see hair. <laughs> shaved. Like I'm playing soccer with balls, my nuts. Balls are shaved, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why they don't, that's why they don't stick. And you know why Ronnie has time to shave his balls? Because he doesn't have any hobbies. Like, that's going to be one of the things he's doing yeah, out in Vegas. Yeah, one of his hobbies is removing <laughs> hair. My, yeah, it's going to be my main, my main thing, shaving my balls and asshole. Yeah, he was like, yeah, you know. I did the show. I was there for four hours, so that took up some time. Then I had lunch, and then I, you know, then I shaved my balls for like. Uh... <laughs> Let's see. Should I shave them today or pluck? Mm. <laughs> decisions, decisions. Maybe I'll shave my balls today. But Ronnie, you did that yesterday. Oh, that's right. That's right. No, that's that's only once a week. <laughs> Maybe I'll wax my ass hair. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll save that uh, shaving for a day he's not working. So, you know, he has something to do. Yeah, it's on yesterday, Thursday. Yesterday it's it Thursday. hit 107. Dear diary, yesterday it hit 117 degrees here, degrees in my in my new home in Las Vegas, and my, my balls were stuck to my ankles. It was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a spatula to pry them loose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Believe me, I can't wait to hear what's going on in Vegas. I don't want you sugarcoating it. If you hate That's it out right. there, you, you come back. Better tell us the truth. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry about it. What? And you have all those favorite restaurants you love to go to here in New York, and you got all I your have, buddies. I have, I have favorite restaurants there too already. And you go to dinner with JD and John Hine. Yeah, it's a no whole thing. JD and John Hine. Yeah, I'll have carrot top. <laughs> right. They can, always, they can always come and visit. They're always welcome. There's plenty of room. Hey, look yeah, who's well, on the phone. What? A Vic Legina. Isn't Vic Legina a porn star? Yeah. He He's a pretty big name. In, Ronnie, isn't he a big name in porn? He's got something to do with porn. I, I know. Uh, I think Richard knows him. Uh, I think, yeah, that's something with porn. I don't know. He, and he does, like, uh, B-type movies or something. Huh. I he think, could be. I uh, Richard, Richard and Sal did something with him out. He, he lives in Vegas, the dude. Hey, Vic. What, what are you? you what are, what's your What's your occupation? Are you a porn star? No, no, I never was a porn star. I was a porn director for nineteen years. Uh -huh. Oh, hey, yeah, you're famous. You could be on Celebrity Dating Game, which I watched last Did night. Did you see? Oh my God, what a travesty that was! We'll talk about it. 
Okay. Hey, what's on your mind, Vic? Well, I think you're being hard on Ronnie. I've been out here for 15 years, and I love it. Uh, I am up at 4 o'clock in the morning to avoid the heat. That's why I'm listening to you live. But at the end of the day, I grew up in the Northeast, and I had to get the hell out of here because it was so cold. I would take the heat over the cold any day of the week. Yeah, well, I'm the same way, but I know Ronnie. Ronnie's one of those hot, sweaty types. He's not going to do well in the heat. This is not a guy who does well Uh, in the heat. It takes you about a year or two to get your your desert leg, so to speak. Well, he doesn't have a year or two. Yeah, yeah, he needs to get up and run. What do you mean I don't have a year or two? What does that mean? Well, I mean, we don't know. But if you check the actuarial table, you might not have a year or two. Oh, stop it. (laughs) Your dad's going to be 98. Come on. Yeah, he's having a party, by the way. <laughs> he's going to Vegas. Things are great. <laughs> should see the quality of life when you hit 98. It's awesome. His balls are stuck to his knees here. <laughs> he doesn't even know he has balls. <laughs> my Well, thanks, Vic. Um, no, my, my when I say it, I go, I never ask my mother how my father is. Uh-huh. I can't ask my father directly because even when my father could hear, he never wanted to talk to me anyway. He he just did it. He doesn't like talking on the phone to me. I don't really think he, he likes probably me. Probably doesn't like talking on the phone. You see him on the phone with anybody else? No, but you figure maybe his son he'd be interested in what was going on. <laughs> but that's okay. I'm past it, as you can tell, uh, <laughs> as you can see. But um, but once in a while, I'll say to my mother, "Hey, you know, how's dad?" And then the dad opens up a can of worms. Listen. We're doing the best we can. Oh, jeez. You know what's going on with your father. I go, what's yeah, I know what, what? Well, what's going on. He sits there. I don't know what he, you know, he doesn't talk anymore. Oh, dear. Oh, uh, yeah. Last night, the, the, the attendant said he got up to go to the bathroom 13 times. <laughs> I go, Mom, are you exaggerating? No, he wrote it down 13 times. Wow. He's up and down. Sounds great. What's he training for? I mean, it's it's horrible. I don't know. But my father my father seems to be having a good time, actually. He's not bummed out. What do you out. mean he's having a good time? What, how do you gauge that? Because whenever I go over there, which was, you know, as little as I can, I mean, uh, <laughs> my father, I don't know, he, sit, he sits in this chair and he reads the paper. He and then, reads like, the paper. Yeah. Well, no one knows what he's reading at this point or what he's retaining. I mean, because I ask him about it. He seems to know because I go, oh, that Trump, fucking Trump. You know, like that. <laughs> so he seems to know what's going on. Okay. He's, he's not thrilled with Trump. I know that. So I try to engage him in some conversation, but he's, you know, not that he can't hear. So he's kind of like out of it. He's just hearing is a problem. And he won't get one of those phones you can read. No. They they won't talk to somebody. They won't get any new devices. (laughs) Like anything that requires maybe three seconds of learning. They won't get. They refuse. Like they won't get internet. They will not get a computer. I keep, you know, I keep saying to my mother, you would have so much fun. Dad would love it. Yeah. You know, he could look stuff up. I, you know, I know my father loves porn. He would love to look at that. It oh would be fun God. for him. You, I can imagine you teaching him how to look up porn. It's easy. <laughs> you porn. That's what I do. 
But I'm just saying, your dad first has to get used to a computer and how it works, and now you've got to show him how to get to the porn. Nothing motivates a guy to learn how to work a computer like porn. I mean, <laughs> then all of a sudden you're interested. Okay, tell me how to do this again. Well, why don't you show your dad some porn on an iPad? I used to give my dad porn when we worked at K-Rock. Really? Yeah. I, like I would... Um, I said, I know my old man likes porn, but he can't get it because he's retired. He can't go to the city and get porn. And um, we used like to get... Like they don't have so porn, porn on Long Island? Now, I don't know. It just would have been weird. Like, I don't know if where... Like, he once he retired, he was always home with my mother. And my mother is not into porn. Yeah, she went everywhere with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She didn't let him out of his sight, out of her sight. And so... One time I was at K Rock and we had so much, such an abundance of porn. Every porn director or every porn company before like the internet porn was big, they would send us their porns hoping we would review them or talk about them and this kind of thing. Like with Ronnie and uh, the beer. Yeah. But we had tons of porn. I mean, it was crazy. I set up a box in the hallway. It was just filled with porn and anybody who wanted it could grab it. So I said, you know what would be nice? I'm going to give my old man some porn. I, I grabbed a whole bunch of titles. Did you? Uh... I put it in a brown paper bag because his okay. generation always kept porn in a brown paper bag. That When they see brown paper bag, they know. <laughs> they know there's either dirty books or magazines or, or porn, or, you know, videos. Okay. Yeah. I said, Dad, take this home. Just take it home and enjoy. Never heard of it. Never spoke about never it again. Never thanked you. Didn't no, no, no. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, but he took it. He took it home, and I never heard about it again. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I was like, let the old man have some fun. But if he had the, if he had the, if he had the internet, my mother wouldn't even see him all day. See, you got to go over there and bring him an iPad and yeah. just hit the button. I've done that. I brought in every device you can imagine. I even showed them how great it is. They can see my but kids with the just videos. Show him the porn. No, I didn't show him the point. That would have been weird. That would have been weird. Like, hey, Dad, let me show you something. Let me show you what's going on on the Internet, why the Internet is so popular. Like, you know, because every time I say to my father, oh, you can read the news. He's like, oh, fuck the news. I, I get the I news anyway. I got a paper. What are you talking I got a paper, got a TV. <laughs> I know what got me into the Internet, porn, those chat rooms, everything. It was great. <laughs> yeah, you were learning up a storm. <laughs> oh, I learned everything. That was back in the day. It was hard to get on the Internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to jump through hoops to get on the internet. I, I was motivated. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a drag, you know. Hearing your parents getting older, and you know, there's there various issues, and you know, and I'm in charge of their lives now. Pretty much, yeah. I'm sort of the parent. Well, that's what happens. It's a full circle kind of thing. Yeah. I'm the parent in about 50 people's lives, so. <laughs> Last I counted. Well, you're, no, you're not up to the guy who had 94 children with 36 wives, okay? Hey, good for him. God bless him. <laughs> he just died. He was 76. I said, of course he died. <laughs> Left all those orphans. Gary and I were talking this morning, you know, just yesterday we were talking about COVID vaccines. And how idiots won't get it and all this shit and they want freedom. And, you know, there's all kinds of wacky logic why they won't get the vaccine. We'd be done with uh, all this corona and all the variants if the idiots would get vaccinated. But, they, you know, we want freedom. I don't know. They don't trust the government. Whatever. 
I don't know who they trust. <clears throat> but we were talking about people who won't get the vaccine. And I said yesterday, I can't wait for those people who won't get the vaccine for them to get COVID and, and, and sit there and struggle. And sure enough, um, Gary and I knew a guy. He just died a couple of days ago. Really? He, yeah. You knew him too, actually. I'll tell you off the air. But um, he just dropped dead. He wouldn't get the vaccine. And not an old guy. Young guy. Oh. Yeah. Was anti-vax. Anti-vax. And, he, and it happened to him. Well, he was also anti-life. <laughs> yep. And a nice guy, too. I can't believe this guy was anti-vax. I'm not making this up, right, Gary? People will believe you. Maybe they don't believe me. No, he was uh, he was really one of the nicest guys ever, and I was surprised. And he was young. He couldn't have been more than, I don't know, probably early 40s. And, mm. um, wow. you know, looked like a pretty healthy guy. I, mean, I hadn't seen him in years, but uh, I was so sad when I heard the news. And then I just asked a friend, you know, was he vaccinated? And he said, no, he was vehemently anti-vax. Yep. And I was, that just bummed me out so much because it's – it's right there for you if you want it. And and that whole rap you did yesterday, Howard, about like people in India would kill to get the vaccine. Oh, yeah. And we're throwing them away because people won't take them. <sighs> Was he married with kids and all Oh, that? yes. Oh, oh, the whole deal. Hey. Yeah, kids and the whole deal. Well, I'm, uh, I'm sorry to hear it because, you know, as much as I, you know, I, I do shtick on the air, I don't like to see people dying either, especially nice people. But this there's this craziness like this, um, this, um, Ricky Schroeder, who was a child actor, came out of the woodwork. He's evidently a lot of these child actors grow up to be total weirdos, like um, like Scott well, Baio. Don't and, get an education sitting there on that set. I, yeah, well, that's true. That's a good point. Like a lot of them are, uh, 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 they go to school three hours a day with the school teacher from the movie studio, you know, and they're like, Buddy. you know, some of them wind up sleeping with her, you know, there's no class. Right. Ricky Schroeder, yeah, that's some class. Ricky Schroeder, <laughs> who, uh, by the way, I never even watched him when he was on. I, I, I never watched, what is it, Golden Spoons? Silver Spoons? I Silver never watched Spoon. that. Yeah. I don't know anyone who watched that, but I guess people did. Uh, Ricky Schroeder was attacking Dave Grohl, the fabulous Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters, on Instagram for supporting the vaccine. Can you imagine what, it, like, these people advertise that they're idiots? Yeah. He's upset. He was putting up disparaging uh, comments and pictures of uh, Photoshop pictures of uh, Dave Grohl. Here, Ricky tried to organize an anti-vaxxer protest of the Foo Fighters show last night at the Canyon Club in L.A. I guess the Foo Fighters, to get ready for Madison Square Garden, decided to do a nice little show to kind of warm up. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky is upset because the attendees had to provide proof of vaccination to get in. He didn't like that. Well, Dave Grohl he, doesn't want to die. He he loves his yeah. life. Yeah, he's got a good deal going. He's got talent. <laughs> Ricky posted a badly photoshopped picture of Dave Grohl holding a big needle and wearing a shirt that says, Pharma, Pharma Sellout. This is what Ricky Schroeder's busy with. I wish he just retired to Vegas and sit by the pool. <laughs> The caption read, Dave Grohl is an ignorant punk. Dave Grohl's an ignorant punk. Right. Not Ricky Schroeder. Not Ricky Schroeder. Dave Grohl's an ignorant punk who needs, this is, by the way, I'm reading this exactly as he wrote it. And this is what happens in Hollywood when you make a kid uh, go to school occasionally. <laughs> Dave Grohl is an ignorant punk who needs slapped 
for supporting discrimination. Kurt Cobain is laughing at you, Dave, along with millions of patriots. Kurt Cobain is laughing at Dave. I guess he's well, speaking to the Well, that's where a lot of those anti-vaxxers are going to wind up. They're going to wind up with Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Wake up, fool. Let's show Dave how we feel this Tuesday night at his Canyon Club show for discriminating against Americans who choose freedom. No experimental vax over medical slavery. Parentheses, sheep. So I guess I'm a sheep because I, I stupidly right. went out and, and got vaccinated. The, deal, the sheep thing. Yeah. Wow, imagine being that passionate about being an idiot. <laughs> but most fuck. idiots are. They're really yeah. vehemently uh, idiots. You know, I know I'm an idiot. That's why I'm not, you know, I'm pretty careful about what I say. I'm dopey. But these guys don't know they're idiots. They really, but like he's, he's, he's actually encouraging people to go out and protest with other idiots. Right. Well, lots of times when you see groups of people clumped together, they're idiots. <laughs> a, protest, a protest sign read, Foo Fighters fight to bring segregation back. Now they're comparing it to the civil rights. Now it's all racism. Yeah. yeah. Now it's a race thing. Yeah. And by the way, yes, we are for segregation. We don't want you drinking from our fountains, you fucking unvaccinated assholes. We want Going you to Going to just... our bathrooms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm for segregation, turns out. <laughs> I only want to be around vaccinated people. Um, by the way, uh, it's all I could help but think is that this was a great plug for the Foo Fighters. I saw this and I went, and now I'm even bigger Foo Fighters fan. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, uh, anyway, there's a lot of eighties TV stars who are idiots. It's well, really weird. There's two kinds of stupid. There's stupid where you know you're stupid. Mm-hmm. And then there's a so stupid you don't know you're stupid. I was kind of shocked. He's ever in that category. I was kind of shocked at this that um, I I don't watch CNN a lot. I'm more of an MSNBC guy, so I don't really know who's on. Oh, come on, Robin! I have a medical condition. That's real funny. So compassionless. <laughs> I'm trying to take you seriously. I know. Here, let Ian have a word. He wants to say hi from Canada, all the way from Canada. What's up, Ian? Hey, guys. Good morning. Hey, now. Hey, now. Hey, Howard, do you do you not think that, like, the consecutive governments since the 60s have just underfunded public education? And it's so hard for a common man in the States if you don't have money to get a good education. And now the fucking chickens are coming home to roost, man. Like, and even up in Canada, we just got these fucking people. They're so fucking stupid, dude. I don't get it. Like, all this anti-vax bullshit, like that fucking Jenny McCarthy, oh, my kid got autism from fucking a vaccine. Like, fuck yeah, off. She's a scientist. Chemi- well, look. What do you think it's the chemicals maybe and everything, bud? Like, chemicals are in fucking everything now. Like, and then they're pinning it all on these vaccines. Like, vaccines have saved the world from polio, all this fucking stuff. And, like, this mRNA shit's been around. They're fighting cancer with it. Like, and then now all this shit's coming out about it might be coming from a lab in China. Well, I'd rather take my chances with something from a lab from the States or Europe than some fucking Chinese concoction. You know what I mean? Like, people are fucking retarded. I well, get it, bro. You, you, you've said a lot, but I'll, tell, I'll give you the secret about the United States education system. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, education, uh, I'll tell you why. 
there's plenty of uh, schools out there in the United States, plenty of teachers. It has nothing to do with the teachers and the uh, schools. There's plenty of schools. There's plenty of money for schools. All they got is money for schools. It's the citizens of this country who have become anti-education and who also only take the side of their kids. Do you know how many teachers will send home a note now to parents and say, your child is acting up in school? And you know what the parents do? They go, that teacher's a fucking moron. They don't understand my kid. My kid didn't do anything wrong. They take the side of the child. There has been a complete disintegration of the emphasis on education in this country by parents and the local school boards. They don't care anymore. Everyone has become laissez-faire. My father went to the worst school you could ever... He changed schools every month. The schools, it was during the Depression. There was nothing. And he got a fabulous public school education because he cared. For some reason, he cared. His parents wanted him to drop out uh, and get a job to help out with the family finances, which were zero. But he stayed in school through high school. It's not the schools. There's too much money for schools in this country. There's so much money. You don't need more money for schools. You need parents who care about the school system. You could teach a kid in a fucking cardboard box if you really wanted to. There's so much available. The the sad thing is is there's a complete breakdown in our society about caring. The the school boards and the people who sit on the PTA and they're like la na 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 na. Nobody gives two fucks. No standards. There's, you know, there was no standards. Once a, a race for greatness in this country. You know, parents Remember the space race, and everybody wanted to get a science education, and we put our minds to it, and we went to the moon. Now people parents, say we never even went there. If you have a community where parents don't show up at the local PTA meeting, which is the Parent Teachers Association, and they don't care, the whole school system goes to hell. Nobody cares. The parents have to be behind their kids learning. They have to discipline them at home. They have to make education important. They have to. They, 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 there's the the priorities are whack. And now, you're right. We've ended up in uh, the chickens have come home to roost. As uh, the late great Malcolm X said, the chickens will come home to roost. He was talking about race, and of course, they have come home to roost. But uh, it's also about education. It isn't. There's no problem with the schools. I guarantee you, if you're motivated and you go to any school in this country, you will be able to learn something. I don't know that that's exactly true. Yeah. I'll tell you, I lived through it. I saw it happen. Well, you didn't get a good education. <laughs> I didn't. I did not. But that was my fault. That was in the 60s, too, man. Like, I'm talking the last 20 years. Education's gone in the toilet, buddy. I don't know. I mean, you're right. The parents don't discipline their kids. Like, I'm hard on my kids. I want them to have manners. I want them to be, listen to their teachers. Like, I listen to them. If my kid's misbehaving, I'm the first one on them. And and by discipline, let me be clear. I don't mean beating your kid because your kid was, quote, unquote, bad. I mean checking in with your kid, checking his homework, all that kind of shit. You got to do it, yeah. and that's if you want to have kids, that's your responsibility. That's part. Too of many the idiots. Yeah. Too many idiots having kids. All right, Ian. Enough with this. Do you think that shit. guy with ninety-four kids was checking homework? Right. And what I was going to tell you is, this is an amazing story. I, I don't uh, see a lot of CNN, but 
evidently, uh, uh, you know, Jeffrey Tubin was a big deal on CNN. Jeffrey Tubin is a guy eight months ago was caught masturbating during a Zoom meeting or Zoom something. Yeah, I guess it's yeah, a meeting at the. Meeting. Yeah, it was a meeting at the New Yorker. I guess he works for the New Yorker and he works for CNN. He's a legal analyst for uh, CNN and evidently quite good at it. It turns out he goes on a Zoom meeting at the New Yorker. The Zoom meeting is over. He keeps his camera on and he starts jerking off. So all of his co-workers are watching him jerk off. This is the story. I'm not making this up. Now, he claims he thought the meeting was over and he thought his camera was off. Um, and the sound. He missed both. He missed the He missed sound, everything. And yeah. he missed the camera. He didn't know the camera was on, the sound was on, and he jerked. I don't know what he was doing, what they saw. Did they see penis? Was his back to the camera? I don't know what it was. If you're a person who doesn't believe Mr. Tubin, you believe that he's a freak and wanted to really jerk off in front of his coworkers. If you do believe him, you go, okay, weirder things have happened. People think the camera on their computer is off and he, and he left it on. Look, I would leave um, the meeting physically. Right. You wouldn't want to be in front of the uh, computer. No, the computer would not be involved. <laughs> well, in a miracle, because, you know, we now live in cancel culture. Whenever somebody fucks up, they, uh, they cancel you. But, you know, like, like the guy on um, The Bachelor, he said some shit people didn't like. Now he's off The Bachelor, the guy who hosted it, Chris Harrison. Chris Harrison, yes. Yeah. We couldn't forgive him, but we forgive masturbation, which is a good thing, I think. You know, uh, Sal <laughs> was caught masturbating at our work, and we forgave him. We allowed him maybe to Maybe we were the precedent for that. They said, maybe. Well, you know, Sal was uh, forgiven. <laughs> yeah, well, at CNN, they said, you know, that guy Sal on the Howard Stern Show was forgiven. <laughs> he was masturbating. Um. But even Sal didn't masturbate in front of other people. He was alone he in was his office. He was trying to, yeah, yeah. hide him. He was trying to, he was trying to do the right thing. <laughs> I'm a creep. Um, yes. Anyway, Tubin, Tubin returned to CNN last Thursday as the network's chief legal analyst. I like this. He was interviewed by uh, anchor woman Allison Camerata on CNN Newsroom about the incident. And really, to her credit, I, she didn't dance around the issue. Here she is summing it up. She said, you know, sometimes they try to sugarcoat, but uh, she was good. In October, you were on a Zoom call with your colleagues from the New Yorker magazine. Everyone took a break for several minutes, during which time you were caught masturbating on camera. Yeah. What do you do during a break? I thought break <laughs> meant masturbate. I go get a drink of water. <laughs> By the way, if you want a tip, and I swear I do this every time I jerk off, not only do I lock the door, okay, even if I think I'm alone in the house, I lock the door. No, no, you know what? Sometimes you're not alone. You think you are. <laughs> Who knows who's around? Lock the door. That's number one. And number two, I always put a nice tissue. I pull out three tissues, two to come in and one to cover the lens of the device I'm using. What's wrong with you? But you wouldn't want him to hear you either, Howard. No. You know, you could just close the computer during your break. Well, this is what I'm talking about. Anyway, so here she's summing it up. Uh, you were subsequently fired from that job after 27 years of working there. And you since then have been on leave from CNN. Do I have all that right? Um, you got it all right. Sad to say. Don't be sad. You're jerking off. All right. You're dopey, but... 
But I told you, there's a lot of people who just, they don't even dress the bottom of themselves. They'll put on a suit, jacket, a tie, a dress shirt, and be completely, you know, and be in their underwear. There was a guy who's, I think he runs a company or something, and he was on CNBC a couple of weeks ago, and they were interviewing him, and he tipped his computer over, and you saw his bare legs and oh. his underwear. By the way, the <laughs> interviewer was... Pretty funny. The interviewer was fondling her breast during this. Uh. <laughs> Actually, she interviewed him in person and not over Zoom. She probably was uncomfortable interviewing him. Well, how Zoom. far away was she? Was it the socially uh, distant 6 or 12? <laughs> With him, at real far. <laughs> By the way, he was in a meeting for the New Yorker magazine. You know that was boring as hell. I mean, what was they making him so horny? They were discussing election coverage. There was nothing mean. hot about this meeting. <laughs> well, maybe someone in there was hot. That's what I'm figuring. I want to know what the investigation found, because you know there was an investigation afterwards. Tubin explained that he thought the camera was off. Here is his explanation to in this interview. To quote Jay Leno, what the hell were you thinking? Well, obviously, uh, I wasn't thinking very well or very much. And um, it was something that was inexplicable to me. I think one point, I, I wouldn't exactly say in my defense, because nothing is really in my defense. I didn't think I was on the call. I didn't think other people could see me. You so, thought that you had turned off your camera? Correct. I thought that I had turned off the Zoom call. Now, that's not a defense. This was deeply moronic and indefensible. I don't know. I don't know that it was deeply moronic. I mean... Yes, it was. It was absolutely you stupid. I don't know. You know, men are like cavemen. It's like, you know, me need come now. But, you know, you're listening to his voice and how he talks. Yeah. Does that sound like a man who needs to get it out right now? <laughs> Every man needs to get it out right now. I need to get it out right now. <laughs> That's what honestly. cracks me up because he's so mild-mannered and soft-spoken. Yeah. It's kind of What's great. What's he doing but right now? I was dissatisfied a little bit with the interview. I mean, I was kind of like, I would be like, what were you watching? Because I, I was he watching porn or was he just closing no, his eyes? And just... he, the, I think the meeting was mm. still up. See, I feel like it wasn't. Like he probably brought brought up his web browser and didn't realize the meeting was still up. And then he was watching porn. Would... Well, I guess they I, see. We don't know. Yeah, these are questions that have not been answered. But I don't think he went. You know, like. Uh, well, I don't know. I had the feeling like as soon as they broke for this break, he whipped it out and started going to town. Like he, you don't know. He really needed it. He didn't have time to pull up porn. <laughs> I think the reason I like this interview so much, you're not used to hearing people speak about masturbating so yes. articulately in that announcer voice. You know, yes, I believe this was a very bad decision. Uh, this was yeah. highly moronic. This was uh, yeah, uh, uh, extremely moronic of me, but you know, and you realize <laughs> every guy's no the defense. same. Did he come before everyone realized? Like before he realized he was on camera? I mean, what? I have I questions. How far it went? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know any more about this than I than I did before. <laughs> they didn't really clear it. Yes, I did come. What's the interviewer's name? Uh, uh, oh, I don't know her name. Allison, Allison Camerata. Camerata. You know, uh, Allison, uh, 
I have to tell you, uh, I, I did come. I did, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, very hard. In fact, it was intense. I almost passed out. It's one of the best orgasms I ever had. It turns out jerking off on Zoom is fabulous. I had no <laughs> idea. Wouldn't it have been great if he had like done something really weird, like try to suck his own dick? You know how some guys get him. We, oh, yeah, like his... he got freaky and didn't just do a usual rub out. <laughs> or did a Ronnie and like put like shit up his ass while he's jerking off, like rubbing the, the outer rim of his anus. <laughs> I had a display of dildos and plugs in front of him. Believe me, it was a poor decision. Uh, I was I was terribly embarrassed, Allison. I... I must tell you, um, you know, I, I like to rub the rim of my anus while I jerk my balls off. I like to, and I like to take my sleeve and have it hit my balls so that if it feels like someone's tickling my penis and balls. And, 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 and this particular time, I shot right through the tissue. You don't say. Yeah, uh, I learned something very important from this, though. What's that? Every time I jerk off now, I double up on tissues. I don't want to shoot my load right through it. Then it's on the floor and I have to clean it up. It's fascinating. When you come, is it very forceful? Oh, yes. Four to five spurts. It may have even been six at this particular time. So people saw it. That's why I burst through the tissue. I, I have a nightmare. Did they discuss when he realized he was being seen and heard? Uh, it was terrible. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, see, this is the interview I want. I, You know, I like to uh, pretend like I'm sucking my own penis. <laughs> And sometimes I like to even tuck my balls and penis behind my legs like I'm a woman. I like to pretend I'm a woman. And I had just tucked my balls and penis behind my legs, and then I turned around and I saw the, my whole staff was watching me. <laughs> oh, my God. I would love to know what he was doing. Because there is rich, you know, guys, when they jerk off, there's always ritual. There's a ritual? Yeah, I mean, there's things you do to set up. You know, they, you know. Well, that's why this seemed to me to be impromptu, like a desperation situation. Yeah. You don't have your tissues and, you know, whatever else you use. Yeah. You're in a meeting. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I, I came in my hand. I don't normally do that. <laughs> and the whole staff saw it. <laughs> I never come in my hand. It's gross. You know, and then, and then there's a, what else do you do when you masturbate? Well, I might as well tell you the whole story now that CNN has put me back on the air. I like to finger my asshole just as I'm about to come, ever so gently. Maybe Not, it's coming to something crazy, too. <laughs> right, right. Like My Little Pony or something. Yeah, right. I was jerking off I'm, uh, to My Little Pony. I'm in, I'm in love with Sugar Snaps, whatever her name is. <laughs> this is the best part. This is the best part of the interview. Uh, Tubin had to call his colleagues. He masturbated in front of to apologize. I he mean, didn't get I, him in I, a group. He had to call them individually. <laughs> you know, the the other day um, when I used a stun gun on my nuts on Zoom, <laughs> <laughs> and you saw, you know, that nice. Here, here he is talking about it. I'm sure you've replayed that embarrassing moment over and over. Many times. Um, have you ever thought about what it must have been like to be on the receiving end of that Zoom call? Um, well, I, I haven't just thought about it. I've spoken to several of my former colleagues at The New Yorker about it. And, you know, they uh, were shocked and appalled. Um, I think 
they realized that this was not intended for them. I think they realized that this was um, something that I would immediately regret, as, as I certainly did. And it was then, it was that day that I began apologizing. And that is something that I have tried to continue to do, uh, both publicly and privately. He's so well-spoken about masturbation. That's why it's crazy. You just don't I know, it's so good. It. Yeah, he's not some, you know, lowlife. This is a guy on <laughs> CNN. He's a legal analyst. I mean, uh, it's awesome. And this guy must, I was thinking, this guy must be so good at his job. Because, you know, most times they cancel you. You know, honey, the guy was jerking off. They get, they get ready and they get another guy. This guy was so good, they uncanceled him. You never hear about this happening. Like, they were like, let's bring him back. Uh, he's that good that, uh, we got to have this no guy. other legal analyst, no, not as good as him. Evidently. I mean, it's what a compliment. Like, it's like, you know, I know, you know, it's like Sirius XM with me. They, they really feel they need me. I mean, this guy must feel so good about his work and, and, and what he's doing. Well, he's like talking a, with a smile in his voice. Yeah. Did Jeff he Zucker, sounds like he's really happy to be back. Uh, Jeffrey, hi, it's Jeff Zucker. Uh, oh, oh, hi, Jeffrey. Jeez, I, I feel terrible. I know, I know. Uh, look, uh, we need you back here. Uh, I didn't <laughs> think I'd be making this call, but you've got to get back on the air as our legal analyst. Uh, uh, we, we're really missing you here, and, and then forget about the whole masturbation thing, okay? Oh, thank you, sir. Well, we can't forget about the whole masturbation thing. You're going to have to do an interview. <laughs> oh, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, wow, he's good. And, you know, you don't read anymore about people. Like, you don't read. Once they're canceled, they, they rarely can make a comeback. They disappear. Yeah. It's like they but don't not... even exist anymore. So I'm happy for Jeffrey Tubin. It turns out masturbation can be forgiven. I mean, come on. We all know. We all do it. Well, I don't think that masturbation is the same as what other people have been canceled for. Uh, you know, they just had to make sure this wasn't happening all the time, that every meeting <laughs> he was right. that, Yeah, he can't. I don't think he could get a, a second chance. I mean, I mean, he got the second chance, but if he does it again, I think he's out. That's it. That's right. Yeah. Um, I love, I love, I, I just wish I was one of those people he had to apologize to. I mean, how awkward would that be? Hello? Hi, it's uh, Jeffrey Tubin, your coworker, former coworker. Yeah. Hey, Jeffrey, what's up? What's uh, up? Don't say that. <laughs> you saw me. You saw me masturbating, right? Oh yeah, I saw it. All right. Yeah, I sure did. It was really weird when you stuck your finger in your ass at the end. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm calling you for a reason. CNN is going to put me back on the air. You're shitting me. No, that's amazing. Good for you. Wonder yeah, what I, I can get away with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go masturbate. <laughs> Well, I just, I, I guess I'm calling to apologize if you'd let me talk for a second. Sure, go ahead. I'd love to hear this. Son, honey, hit the tape recorder on me. We're going to get an <laughs> apology for masturbating. I don't want to miss a word. First of all, as part of my apology, I'd like to know if you have um, any feedback on my jerking session. It would be appreciated. Well, I thought, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, no, I don't have any feedback. I know it must have been strange for you when I put the cigarette out on my penis. And I know that's what upset a lot of the ladies on the call. Are you? I, I would like to apologize, first of all, for that. That's just a weird fetish of mine. Apology accepted. Uh, I mean, I think you're a great legal analyst. 
Well, um, hold on a second, please, if you don't mind. Sure. <laughs> Jeffrey. Hold on a second. What's going on? Are you masturbating right now? No. I hear a noise like you're masturbating. I'm not, sir. Please, please. I would uh, never do that again. Not, what am I, an idiot? <laughs> I can't imagine. I'm just. Do you think he cut? You know, because there had to be men and women in this meeting, right? Yeah. And so he calls the guys, and they're just sort of snickering. Right, right. Oh, I got to apologize. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What are you doing right now? I hear something. I'm moving my refrigerator. (laughs) No, you're not. And then with the women, he had to be really serious. What are you doing right now? Are you masturbating during your apology call? No, no, no. I'm I'm shaking a can of paint. You know, ever since I lost my salary at CNN, uh, I've been working at Lowe's. I'm (laughs) (laughs) I'm making paint. I was a really bad boy. Would you tell me I was a really bad boy? (laughs) (laughs) Please, why can't he apologize to us? Well, I want he would give. If Mr. Tubin would consider doing an interview here, I would appreciate it. We have a lot of, like, really disgusting questions we want to answer. <laughs> we want to get it all out in the open so there's never any more questions. Right. Anyway. <clears throat> that's the Jeffrey Tubin story. So he was on there. And and kudos to uh, Allison Camerata. And the CNN newsroom for not dancing around the issue, getting right to it. Anything to do with masturbation, we're there. We we make sure it's being handled properly. That's our expertise here on this show. We've Jeffrey, many- what are you going to do to make sure this never happens again? Well, so hold on a second, Robin. I'm almost done. I'm making a homemade yogurt for my breakfast. <laughs> now that I've had time at home to reflect, uh, I've gotten into some... Organic yogurt making. <laughs> Let me Jeffrey, ask you something. Can what? I ask you a question, Robin? You saw me masturbating on the Zoom, right? Yes. And I'm willing to apologize, and I feel terrible about it. But but just aside from that, you saw my size. Um, how do I compare with the guys you've been with? Um, of what you know, girth and length. Well, you know, quite frankly, I was a little uh, surprised mm-hmm. that it was like a piece of taffy mm-hmm. <laughs> that you had to really tug on to get going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, stop it, Jeffrey. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm I just... hear you. I can't see you this time, but I can uh-huh. hear you. What you're hearing is me adjusting my necktie for work. <laughs> that Damn it. not necktie adjusting. <laughs> When you were watching me on the Zoom, <laughs> did you see me more as a shooter or a dribbler? I also was surprised at how many different colors there were. You know, like your dick is multicolored. Well, yeah. Uh, hold on a second. I'm shaking a martini. <laughs> I know it's early to be drinking. Now you're a bartender? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? You saw me on the Zoom, so I feel comfortable asking you this. What? Do you think I should shave my balls? I mean, smooth right down to 
They're pretty hairy. I know that. And I know you saw that. But do you like a little bit of hair, or or were you thinking? I wish he'd shave his balls. I I think I certainly think they could deserve a trim. I see. <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. Almost done here with my only apology. only wish I could have gotten one of those calls. I deserve an apology for reading the story. Were you shocked to see I had foreskin? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know you weren't circumcised. Yeah. Do you think my foreskin looked weird or you could, you know, get into it? Foreskin doesn't bother me. Mm. <laughs> I'll be hearing that clip forever. <laughs> yeah, next time you try to have an inter a conversation with me, I'll be saying that. Can I just say something? I thought this apologizing would be awkward, but I... I think you're taking it really well, and <laughs> I, I'm enjoying it, actually. Well, I want to know who was on the apology list. <laughs> I want tape of it. <laughs> hi, Jeff Tubin here. Oh, hi, Jeff. Uh, yeah, just calling to apologize for my masturbation at that Zoom meeting. I hope uh, hope I could talk to you about it. Yeah, well, maybe I got something else to do. No, 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 <laughs> this will only take a second. Just wanted to know, too, do you think my balls were too saggy? <laughs> uh, honestly, yeah, sure. <laughs> no offense. No offense taken. Thanks for accepting my apology. It's too easy to go on CNN and apologize. Come here. Come here, yeah. We, we have real questions. <laughs> We're not afraid to ask. God. A lot of people calling in about this. Hey, uh, Stephen, you're on the air. Hey, Howard. Steve here. Hey, to say. What up? Hey, now. Hey, do you remember uh, when Pee Wee Herman got busted for uh, masturbating in the theater? Yeah. That, sh that shit was funny. and he, he actually lost his show for quite a long time before he made a comeback. Well, you see, there's a difference in his masturbation. I'm a big Pee Wee fan, and I, I really do wish he would have, you know, maintained a career. I don't think he, but, but what he did was a little different. This guy could claim, hey, you know, look, I didn't know my computer was on. Certainly that happens to people. Uh, so it could be forgiven. Pee-wee, like, went to a movie theater to jerk off. Like, you know, well, I don't know. one of those uh, porn yeah. theaters? Yeah, but you can't do it in public. <laughs> I don't know if it was a, I don't know. I don't, you know what, I really it don't know. A, it was one of those adult movie theaters. Oh, it was? Ah! Mm -hmm. He was watching porn. Oh. Let's forgive. Yeah, I'm yeah, just I think afraid it was that. A sting. I think the cops did a thing. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. When you take your masturbation into the public and you're whipping it out in the public, you get you're gonna run into problems. You know, and also Pee Wee hosted a kids show. You know what I mean? Even though it really was for adults. Yeah, Jeffrey um, Tubin doesn't talk to kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff, hi. This is uh, Jeff Zucker from CNN. We're thinking of giving you a kids show. We, I don't know. This sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll explain the law to young children. Uh, okay. All right, man. Later. There's a difference. Howard. First time yeah. caller. Have a good day. You bet. Uh, hey, Anthony. Anthony's in Pennsylvania. What's up? Hmm. No, Anthony. All right. Sometimes that happens. Maybe I'll take a little break here. And we'll uh, continue on. What a song, huh? Still I try. I only play good songs. No rest for cops in my mind. No bullshit here. 
That's a riff. That's a powerful, powerful band with a powerful riff. Brains to Green Day. Um, I know a little bit about this song. Billy Joe Armstrong was experimenting with new equipment. And he came up with this riff. He was just fucking around. He thought it sounded like a, a harder Beatles song. Like while my guitar gently weeps. He just, he liked the sound of this and that was it. And uh, Billy told me that he used a distortion pedal to come up with the sound of the guitar. They use, uh, you know, one of those pedals, those cool pedals those guys hit on the floor when they're on concert. If I was in a band, I'd have so many fucking pedals. They wouldn't even be connected to anything. I would just be up on stage hitting those pedals. I love when I go to a concert and I see the guitar player hitting pedals with his feet. I think that's so cool. I would have 30 pedals. When I'm on Zoom meetings, I jerk off to this. Oh, I killed myself if I jerked off and people were watching me. Oh, I would kill myself. Oh, my God. Have you ever sat down in front of your computer when you were supposed to be in a meeting? No. Without pants? No. Because I know that can go wrong. I wear shorts sometimes, and, like, you see my leg, and I feel weird about that. Uh, uh, by the way, brain stew is about methamphetamine. Not being able to sleep, staying up all night. Same. And he describes it perfectly. This is such great songwriting. Yeah. The clock the- laughing in my face. Yeah, it's great. Perfect song. Good job, Billy Joe. I wonder if I was friends with him, but I called him Billy Joe, or would I just call him Billy? Or... He must have some, like, you know, friends, like all of his personal friends. Something. Right. Not the whole name. BJ. <laughs> uh, so, oh, it's George Takei. He wants to come on, and he's oh, very excited. George, is that the door? He's excited that I'll be talking to James Corden in a few minutes. He wants to say uh, something about it. Yes, uh, I and, uh, love, yeah. love, love, love James Corden. You know, his portrayal of Buskerford Jones in Cats was delightful. <laughs> and we're all of us proud to be nodded or bowed to by Buskerford Jones in white spats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love James. Yeah, no, I, I, I've, uh, I always appreciate when James comes on the show, and I'm glad you're a fan. And we'll sit, and we'll talk, we'll talk about late night television, what's going on there. You know, there's a lot to He's talk about. Down to earth. Yet? But, but sorry that about that, Robin. Is he back what? in the studio yet? You know, like people are now yes. making their announcements yes. that they're going back to their studio, back live He's, audiences. He's back in the studio, but he does not have a live audience yet. Yes, you, you were saying, George. Well, Howard, can you ask James to book me on Carpool Karaoke? Well, uh, I'll tell you what, you're not, uh, you're not really a singer, are you? Well, we can sing Ishi Kara Ishi, the song sung from Allegiance, when the character Ojijan persuades Kay to go to the dance by insisting that mountains can be moved one George. zone at a time. George, you know it's I love real you. real toe tapper. 
I hate to break it to you. I love you. And that play you wrote, Allegiance, nobody knows that song. No one knows that play. I, I know you. Ishikara Ishi Yamawaido Dekiru Yasashi Ogewawa Ganima Oreru. Come on, don't be shy. Don't pretend you don't know it. Sing along, Rob. George, nobody knows that play. Come on. I know, I know you were excited. Yeah, it's not I, my I, fair lady. I got to tell you, uh, George. I don't know why your musical closed. I, I I would think it would still be playing on Broadway, even even through the pandemic, with that catchy tune you just sang. It's a but, very uh, catchy tune. Children love it all over the world. Trust me, Howard. You know, know. in Japan, they had me sing the Star Trek theme. Really. Sounds good. A quintessential road trip song. Brad, get me some tea. My throat's getting dry. I've had too much oatmeal. Brad, well, listen, listen, George. We'll we'll say hey to James. We'll say hey to James for you. Okay. All right. I can't wait. I'm right. so excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. Karaoke? How did he pronounce karaoke? Karaoke is not, we don't Kara say it correctly. Okay. Karaoke. Yeah. Okay. Teach me how to say it. Karaoke. Karaoke. Kara so when you, when you hear someone saying karaoke, you get upset. It's, it's very, very incorrect. Yes. Uh, it is a bastardization of the Japanese word. It does, it's not even Japanese. Karaoke? Who are we talking <laughs> about? Some guy named Kerry? Uh, uh, it's kara, kara. You need the R at the top of the roof of your mouth. Like James Corden, who's a renaissance man, you know? Renaissance. Okay. Kara, okay. Kara, okay. Well, you were the one who taught me Brad. how to say. Uh, yes. Brad. Brad. <laughs> Brad. Uh, all right, uh, <laughs> I'll let you go. You know, you taught me how to say so many words. You know, I used to say, um, you know, when I was speaking Spanish, I would say agua. And then you taught me agua, 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 guacamole, guacamole, agua, tsunami. Yeah, tsunami. I used to say, yeah, I used to say guacamole and I was wrong. Guacamole. Guacamole. Yeah. All right. Guacamole. Guacamole. All right. Thank Guacamole. you. Right. Do you Guacamole. Really get <laughs> in a Mexican restaurant. When you go to the Mexican restaurant, do you say Waca I will have some guacamole? Dos guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank For you. me and Brad. <laughs> Brad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, George. All right. There you go. Well, he's excited to uh, hear from James Corden, as I am. I do want to mention a couple of deaths. I've been bad about not mentioning some key people. Uh, first of all, uh, this happened a couple of weeks ago. For those of you who are fans like me, I'm, you know, a lot of young kids don't know. Get smart. Jaime the robot died. Jaime the robot died. Uh, Dick, uh, what's his name? Dick Gautier or something? Uh, Dick Gautier. Gautier. Dick Gautier. He died. Um, I love I love Get Smart. I think I watched every episode seventeen times. Show was amazing. 
was a Mel Brooks show. He was one I of know. the creators, you know. And uh, brilliant get, show. Don Adams was, uh, you know, Maxwell Smart, and he was a secret agent who fucked up all the time, and he had a robot that was created to help him named Jaime the Robot. And Dick Gautier, or however you say his name, who died, he, he was such a good character on that show that this was shocking to me. He only appeared five times in all the seasons of Get Smart. Only five times, but yet you knew Jaime the Robot. It was a really good character, really made an impression. He was a good actor. And uh, I like that guy. And so I thought I'd give him a shout-out. Also, this is uh, upsetting. Ned Beatty from the movie Deliverance died. Now, Ned Beatty was in a lot of stuff. Ned Beatty was a character actor. He was even in Superman, like the first Superman, that that mm -hmm. one with uh, Christopher Reeve. Um, he was like the sidekick of Lex Luthor, I think. Right. I that yeah, right. he was the goofy sidekick. But the thing I knew this guy, and this guy made such an impression on me. I remember as a kid, I went to see Deliverance with Burt Reynolds. And he was, um, it, it was about Burt Reynolds and three other dudes go on a, uh, like a hiking mountain trip, you know, in the deep woods of like Tennessee or some bullshit. Yeah, they're I, camping. They're camping. And they had a canoe and they're going down rivers. I mean, I barely remember the movie, but this scene I remember, Ned Beatty was this little fat guy. And all of a sudden, these hillbillies come, they take over with guns, and they tie Ned Beatty to a tree, and they fuck him in the ass, and they make him squeal like a pig. And I was like, that is some fucked up shit. Like, I better learn karate or something. I better not go into the woods is what it's about. Yeah. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I never went in the woods again. You think, you 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 know... Steven Spielberg fucked up the ocean for me with that shark movie. And uh, the woods, I used to go camping and stuff. That was it. I was done. Ned Beatty goes in, and he's with Burt Reynolds and blah, 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 blah. And Burt Reynolds is a tough guy, but Burt, like, leaves the group for some reason for a few minutes. With that, Within that time, these two toothless, skinny hillbillies come in and fuck the crap out of Ned Beatty. They tie him to the tree naked. And tell them to squeal like a pig while they stick their dicks in his ass. And of course, guess who shows up to kill the two guys? But after he gets fucked in the ass. That's right. Is, He's already gone through the fucking of a life. Yeah. Burt Reynolds. It was really bad. And I remember like the scene where Ned Beatty is, after Burt Reynolds kills the two hillbillies, Ned Beatty is like pulling up his pants in shame. His cum dripping out of his ass. It's just a fucking nightmare for any dude. Listen to this. Let you squeal. I bet you squeal like pig. Oh, which squeal? Squeal in. Squeal. Squeal. Squeal louder. Louder. Camping. Louder. Get down there, boy. Oh. You know what's really weird about that scene? Fred and I went to see it together. It turned him on. Fred had a full boner. I remember looking over. He's like, this is sexy. I was like, are you nuts? You must be really sick. <laughs> but yeah, you could never forget that scene. Come on, squeal. Oh, my God. Wee! Wee! Come on, squeal. Oh, my God. And these hillbillies were dirty. They looked like, you know... Yeah, they weren't cute. <laughs> no. They look like people you might encounter, you know, where Richard Christie grew up. 
Oh, I know those guys. They're my friends. Yeah, they like to go into into the woods and see tourists and rape them. Oh, yeah, we used to do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, me and my friend did that. <laughs> After we cut the heads off chickens. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, Ned Beatty's gone. 83, I think. Yeah. Ned Beatty said um, a lot of places he would go, men would yell out, squeal like a pig. And he goes, I'm supposed to duck my head and look embarrassed, but I only feel pride being a part of that story. Um, I think Bill McKinney, the guy who played the attacker, and I played the rape scene about as well as it could be played. Yes, you did. Oh, yeah. It was very realistic. There yeah. was nothing funny about it. You know, that could have been a real mess in a movie. But, yeah, they played it for real. Yeah. Something's going up my ass, man. What the fuck? Yeah, we're doing a remake with Ronnie. <laughs> right up the crack of my ass. Benji says he grew up in the area where deliverance takes place. Where is the area, Benji? I, I, I seem to think it was like Tennessee or something. Where'd you grow up? Um, whoop, <clears throat> sorry. In oh. the, uh, what? If all morning to clear your throat, you come on in. <laughs> I, I didn't realize till I started talking. So it's okay. Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, South Carolina, like the uh, north northwest uh, corner of the state, but it was actually in uh, northeast Georgia. So why are you saying you grew up in that area? Well, they're the you same area. In, oh, South Carolina is the same as Georgia? Well, they're next to each other. Well, they're yeah, next yeah, to yeah. each other. That's like me right saying I grew area, up in New Jersey, but I really grew up in New York. <laughs> well, that's like saying you grew up in the metropolitan New York area. No, no. Okay. Right, thank you. I, I don't... That's... Right. I always no, heard I get stories it. I get it. about it. You grew up in you grew up in um, South Carolina, but uh, right. but the movie took place in Georgia. But you you grew up where the movie was uh, played. Get okay, got it. I get the logic. I always heard. I don't know if you ever heard this that the banjo yeah. guy was like a real guy that was yes. just like you heard he about was. that. Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Hmm. Richard uh, Benji grew up. In the area where that movie was shot, except it was in a different state. <laughs> that was a pretty good story. <laughs> I grew up in that area. Oh, you really? I grew up in South hey, Carolina. He had no story that went along with it. That's the best part. Well, I, that's my boy. Was, I, I grew up next to it. <laughs> he, um, that's my guy. He loves airtime. So give him a break. Yeah, he <laughs> loves it. <laughs> area richard i bet you knew guys growing up who fucked like tourists in the woods and raped them <laughs> i bet you do i swear come clean uh, do you know guys pretty close pretty yeah. close yep uh i knew of a guy i wasn't close friends with him or anything but it's legend where i grew up at one of the county fairs a guy got really wasted on whiskey and banged a sheep in front of a bunch of other people a big crowd mm. Wow. Poor sheep. So, I, I know. Hate that. Oh. Yeah. So, that's yeah. that's about as close as I know of somebody doing something like that. Mm -hmm. That's why those sure. county fairs are so big. You might see a sheep fucking. Yeah. Yeah, we saw a sheep fucking. No one ever like I always try to figure out as a guy who grew up in the, you know, the northeast, why why the fuck would you go to a county fair? I went to the Wayne the, the Wayne's County Fair 
Wayne uh-huh. County Fair in upstate New York. I was working. I was washing dishes. I had a bunch of buddies. And we went to the Wayne County Fair because we heard there were live um, women, like women in a tent who would show everything, their vagina, <laughs> the whole deal. That's at the county <laughs> fair. Yeah, I went. It was with a bunch of guys I worked with. And it was like a mixed racial group. It was a bunch of white guys, a couple of black guys. And, um, you know, we all worked together. We we were kitchen workers. We washed dishes. We we made salads. You know, this kind of thing. Uh-huh. So we go to the Wayne, I think it's called Wayne's County Fair. It's technically Pennsylvania. It was like right over the border of New York. And uh, <laughs> we went and it was weird. It was just so fucking weird. Like it, you thought you were maybe like where Richard grew up. It was just a <laughs> lot of looking weird people. They looked like they were weird inbred. Smells. Yeah, you get out of a city. Yeah. People start to look weird. Yeah, and they were all like, you know, fuck you, you know, I'm like, where'd you grow up? I mean, you're not that far from New York. How did you get to be such a hillbilly? But we were up there, you know, and like we went in one tent and it was like a freak show. Like a guy would come out and show you jars of like, you know, babies, supposedly two heads and shit like that. And then the main show was this sex show. We were in there with a bunch of farmers and like dudes literally in like overalls and pitchforks. Who hardly and ever get to see women. I mean, that <clears> must have been fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're in there and like these women get up and they're pretty busted. I mean, these are not high level strippers, but they get up. You didn't, you know, they didn't bring the girls from Vegas? No, no Emily I mean, Radajowski there. <laughs> no, nobody had like a flat belly. Like, you know what I mean? There was a lot of jelly on that belly and everything. Armpit and hair before it was cool. And then all of a sudden, like I'd never, I mean, I, I barely knew about sex, you know? I mean, I probably had gotten laid a few times, but I mean, you know, you just didn't know the ways of men. My father never showed me the ways of men, but these guys were hardcore and they were all hooting, hollering. And it just seemed like they were on the verge of doing something weird. They were getting really right. worked up, you know, and some of these girls looked like they were, they, maybe they used to be men, you know, they, they were not, they were not beauties. <laughs> and nothing. so this one, yeah, the one girl comes out and. She starts dancing around, takes everything off, showing the vagina, spreading open the vagina. I'm like, holy oh. shit. It was crazy. Then she moves to the front of the stage and guys stick out their tongues and they start, they start licking her vagina, you know, giving her wow. oral. And I was like, this is fucked up. Like what? I mean, they're all trading off, licking like, and she, whoever, you know, when she sees one of the guys, she like bends toward them and they lick her vagina. I like, want to lick your pussy. And I'm like, man, that is some nasty ass vagina. I mean, <laughs> how many guys have licked that thing? And uh, right, they're then, following each other closely, right? Yeah. So I'm with two black guys who I work with and they're really nice guys from Florida. And, uh, they were just like nice guys. So they see what's going on, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so gross. They're not even listening to me. They can't believe what's going on. They run to the front of the stage because they want to lick her vagina. You know, this white chick, and then she's up there and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, no. They go up, these guys, these white dudes, these farmer types. They don't want to lick her with, go, with them, right? <laughs> the, the, the stripper's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, just that overtly racist. And then these guys are like, get the fuck out of here, boy. What you, boy? You know, like that kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, fuck. These guys, I, you know, and these were tough guys. I, I'm like, I don't know if they're going to fucking beat their shit. They started laughing. So I was like, oh, okay. It's like a scene out of Goodfellas. You don't know whether, you know, 
You don't know whether yeah. De Niro's going to kill the guy or laugh at the, the guy. You know, you don't know. So they were laughing, and we started laughing, and then we left. They left. They just didn't want to deal with it. And, I mean, it was really, I mean, I saw everything in that one moment. I saw a woman's vagina. I saw it live getting eaten out. I saw racism. I saw everything. Everything was a microcosm, <laughs> right in that little that, universe. It was like that, looking under the microscope and seeing everything that was going on in society. Sounds like you, you went to the craziest county fair ever. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want wing. to give up your humanity badge and just say, I don't want to be human anymore after seeing that. I didn't want to have sex after that, I'll tell you that. I've never heard of a county fair like that. I, I know. Wild. I was like, where's the sex show? I've never seen a sex show at a county fair. <laughs> I haven't either. I've been to tons of fairs. Yeah, you got to go to this one. Wayne County, <laughs> Wayne's County Fair. We're Did going they this shut summer. That down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Dr. Lou was with me. There were a couple of guys. I don't know. Man, it was it was traumatic. I still you remember. You stayed it. for the whole thing. You didn't want to leave. You weren't. No, no, no. We had it. We had to get out there. Once my fellow, uh, my friends were, uh, you know, it looked like it was going to turn into something. Once they were ejected. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just kind of left. It was because you know this is a hardcore bunch of racists. <laughs> they were out of their fucking minds. You've never they been to a county like fair these, since. They were like, don't you ruin that pussy for us. We'll go here licking a, a pussy with a black man. <laughs> you know they can't I mean? go like, home if they do that. Yeah, right. I didn't pay all this money, $7, to fucking <laughs> sit here and lick a pussy with a black man. Well, with a black, a darky. I know what happened. Wait, now, now she slapped him. The stripper slapped my oh. friend. Oh. Yeah. She slapped him. Like he, he, he did what the white she guys were doing. He couldn't be violated. He opened, yeah, he opened his mouth and put out his tongue and she came over to him and instead of giving him uh, her pussy, he, she smacked him in the face. That's wow. what it was. That's when the trouble began. And then the guys yeah. turned on him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They stuck up for her. Instead of like going, Hey, that's fucked up. They, they were like, get the fuck out of here, boy. <laughs> Look, they weren't going to in their pussy party. Yeah. If he was no. messing up things, they had to go. Well, they were, yeah, cause. These these two friends of mine had upset uh, this, the, 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 the girl on stage. Yeah. yeah, she was like, "This is ridiculous. Why don't you treat this young lady with some respect?" <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, she ain't young." And I'm not sure she and she might not be a lady. <laughs> <laughs> Racist strippers. <laughs> <laughs> world so fucked up that is so far down on the stripper pole like yeah. he's at a county fair letting guys lick her yeah and these guys were like gee we never even like saw a white lady naked and you know we certainly never eaten any white pussy like let's go imbibe they didn't know like it was <laughs> that's pretty you know, bad too imbibe yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> Probably better for their health that they didn't. But <laughs> it's pretty nutty. I've seen some nutty shit in my life. Uh, and what's it well, all mean? Like, I mean, then you die and all your experiences are gone. Well, you know? that experience should die. I hope that dies. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't thought about it in years. I wish I knew which guys were with me. I just remember these two guys. I haven't. They, they lived in uh, Dade County. I remember that. Florida. Yeah. And I don't know what happened to those guys. But 
they were nice guys. I felt bad for them. And then I'm like, oh, shit, if they start getting beaten up, I guess I don't I know if you in. can call a guy who wants to go up and stand in front of the line and lick a pussy a good guy. No, nah, they were nice guys. <laughs> you know, they had some flaws. Oh, <laughs> yeah, on, Robin. big one. These were my coworkers. They were serving food. Stop it. <laughs> we should find all those people and do this is your life for you, Howard. Yeah. Find that lady. Oh, yeah. Bring all those guys. Do you remember, Howard? We, we, uh, we, uh. We tried to do it. This is your life. It didn't turn out well. <laughs> better leave my life alone. We didn't find those guys, though. Yeah, no, those guys, gone. those guys, we didn't find. I've forgotten about that. But uh, oh, here's the lady from the tent. You were the stripper in the tent that day. You recognize this story? Yes. Uh, and I have to say, I'm completely ashamed of my behavior. <laughs> Robin. I I would love to make up for that and have you come over and lick my cunt. It would be uh, my no, place ball. What was but the big deal? Would you let those guys lick you now? Yeah. What was the two? What was the big deal about these two lovely young uh, African American boys licking your pussy? I know. I've changed my ways. I love a black cock. I really do. My <laughs> pussy is handing out reparations. And I want to start with you, Robin. My Robin. doesn't see race anymore. Well, oh my goodness, she evolved. He, he's enlightened now. <laughs> so when you work I the county, when you lick my cunt. Yeah, yeah, when you work the county fair now, you allow black yeah. gentlemen to lick your vagina. I had a whites only pussy, and it was the biggest mistake <laughs> of my life. Right. Well, I'm, you know what? I, Everybody you know learns. I even let I even let Puerto Ricans in my ship pipe now. I don't care. <laughs> Any race will do. My it's gun a... doesn't see color. Right. You know, I, I'm so happy yeah. to hear from you because you've haunted me all these years. The way you smacked my friend in the face just because he was black. I and, you know. know. Yeah. It I was just, disgusting. I, you're right. And I just want to say uh, I'm so glad you've grown as a human being. Okay? Thank you. Yes. And I'll even let an Asian guy fuck me up my asshole. Imagine. <laughs> She's open to all, anything and all races. And uh, by the way. I, had a, I let a Lebanese guy come all over my tip. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You know how I know it's you? I still remember your voice when you were like, not you, black guys. You can't uh, lick my pussy. Well, uh, and, you know. I was just happy that they... Because I didn't want to have to reject you because you were Jewish as well, which would have right. been terrible. Oh, there was a no Jew policy too? Yeah, well, You're I was wearing a big Star of David on my coat. They put it on me when I went to the fair. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, ma'am. Uh, Mildred. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Charming. <laughs> Lovely. All right, let me take a break. That was quite startling to hear from her all these years oh yeah. and one more death i want to mention this was kind of shocking to me i got off the air uh, yesterday and i heard from um tim stack remember the big star from uh, son of the beach yeah uh, a, a show i produced back in the i don't know 90s i want to say but uh lisa bain was an actress on that lisa bain if you read yesterday there was a woman in new york city who was uh, walking in the city. She's from Los oh, Angeles. No. Yeah, yeah. Lisa Bain died because 
She was walking in New York City. She had been in Los Angeles during the whole pandemic, finally felt safe enough to come to New York. And she was walking, and they say a, they have these motor scooters in New York now, like motor scooters. I think he can rent them or something. I don't know. I don't know uh, if this guy was yeah, on his own like motor scooter. Yeah, they're They're like around. Yeah, I don't know if it was a rented one or what, who knows what it was, but the motor scooter hit her, and she hit her head on the ground, and she died. She died from a brain yeah, injury. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. You know, if somebody doesn't know, they're bleeding internally in their head. And she was a, a, a lovely woman, very, very good actress. And you know Tim Sack. Uh, he's still living um, outside of the beach every day. I mean, whenever something happens with any cast member of the beach, he he's writes me immediately. He's the historian. He's he is. the historian of Son of the Beach. You know, everybody, you know what I was thinking of doing? You saw on uh, TV there was a Friends reunion. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a big, because there's tremendous demand for a Son of the Beach reunion. <laughs> where the, <laughs> the whole cast gets together. <laughs> Everyone. Oh, my e- even Jamie Bergman, you know. who? Really? That's right. And uh, and they'll all get together and they'll reminisce like the, the cast of Friends, and uh, and we'll and we'll see what happens because could you you can imagine the bidding war. Are you going to put stuff. a camera on that? <laughs> you don't think I should bother? <laughs> I always think I'd sell it to the networks. Can you imagine how funny that would be, ladies and gentlemen? It's finally here, the Son of the Beach reunion, the long anticipated. Yeah, the cast. The whole crew, everyone together, one last time. And then they walk through the the beach and they talk about the different moments when they tape this and that. It'd be awesome. Um, all right. Let me take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to James Corden. As you know, James Corden is a guy. He's uh, having tremendous success. He's got a late-night television show. Very few people get a late-night television show. And uh, he, he does movies. movies. He does he all kinds of shows. Things. You know, yeah. those award shows. What do you think? How much money is? Let me ask. Let me see something. You got to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I do this all ask day. By Siri. the way, yeah. Hey Siri. Uh huh. How much is James Corden's net worth? As of 2018, the estimated net worth of James Corden was about 12 million U.S. dollars. Hmm. Really? That seems light. We'll have to ask him about that. Where's he? What's he using his money for? Are they paying him over at CBS? <laughs> is he doing that show for free? <laughs> I mean, twelve million is very good. You could live the rest of your life very comfortably on twelve million. But yeah, but I see him everywhere. Um, he's doing he's, everything. He's the he's the voice of Peter Rabbit in that new movie. Yeah, I'm going to ask him who his uh, agent is. Anyway, Lisa Bain died. Yeah, and I'm sorry to hear it. She was she played. Um, Anita Massingale, the mayor of uh, of Malibu adjacent. That's right, right. She was the mayor of the town. And I guess if we have a Son of the Beach reunion show, uh, I think that would there. be funny. I think that would be funny to do. I really do think that it would be would funny. It would be funny. Yeah. And treat it like it was Friends. Like that it was as big as Friends. It was the biggest show ever, and right. everybody's been waiting for this reunion. Ladies and gentlemen, the Son of the Beach reunion. Jamie Bergman as B.J. Cummings. Amy Weber as Porcelain Bidet. And <laughs> Ian Ziering as Harry Johnson. <laughs> and then, like, you bring different people out from the show. Like, you know, um, you know. Hey, Are you going to hey, have hey, the guest stars as well? I have Robin Thicke because Alan Thicke died and he was on right. the show. Yeah. And uh, Robin Thicke will come. Your father was terrific. 
in the show. And <laughs> and Ian Searing, you were amazing as Harry Johnson and, and Gilbert Gottfried as the rabbi, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. And uh, then we'll then we'll uh, and then talk to James. We got we, listen. There's so much going on. I haven't even played you the six minute phony phone call that I've been promoting. No, no, we've been busy. But uh, rest in peace, Lisa uh, Bain and uh, Jaime the robot, and of course uh, Ned Beatty. And there you go. Hey now, cult of personality coming at you. W N B. A little musical interview for you as we enjoy beautiful weather. Oh, I fucked it up. Yeah. What happened to these guys? I guess they stopped performing together. I don't think that's true. I, I think they came into our studio and did uh, this song for us, but uh, maybe they're playing the Wayne County Fair. I don't know. <laughs> They did, Howard. They did this first. Not, yep. you know, not that long ago. But they were still together then. Yeah, not that long ago, though. Yeah. Uh, Living Color wrote this entire song during a band rehearsal. They were just fucking around. That's how all these good songs happen. Either some dude's driving in his car and he gets an idea, or they're screwing around in band rehearsal. But great band, great, great sound. They rock hard. I love them. Love this song. I really don't know what else they've done. I I don't understand the music business, how you could have such a great song, and then where are the other hits? Seems unfair. Anyway, James Corden. What can I say about James Corden? He is, of course, the host of The Late Late Show. Weeknights at 12.37 a.m., which is always weird. Wow, you're half a person now. Look at you. You lost so much weight. Are you, are you talking to me? Who do you think I'm talking to? Look at you. I don't know. You look like a new man. A, well, How much did you lose? Uh, so far, about 35 pounds, a bit more. I love it. But I it depends love it. on the weekend I've had. But I'm trying. Still a way to go. How are you? I love it. I love, I love weight loss TV shows. I love watching. I watch Rebel Wilson every day on Daily Mail. They have a different article. Rebel Wilson loses 60 stone, whatever the fuck a stone is. I don't know. I'm an American. Stone's about 15 pounds. Yeah, I don't accept that, by the way. I do not accept sure. stone. You're not going to be using stones, huh? No. No. You don't, you don't have to use the stones. But yeah. How many stones did you lose? Uh, well, that would be about two and a bit. So, right. yeah. But then, but James, yeah, I think the last I, time I saw you, I was way heavier than that. I love I romantic stories, and I love weight loss stories. And you must so be feeling, on t you, how do you feel? You must feel great. Well, I don't feel great. I feel like I'm getting great. No, that's wrong. I feel like I'm getting better. I'm trying. Working I feel out? like there's still a way to go. Uh, I'm trying to, but I suck at it. I'm so bad at it. It's terrible. You hate it. it I just, it, it feels like... Because you know what it's like. There's so few hours in the day yes. that are just my own. Do you know what I mean? I've got three young kids. We have the show and all these things that I feel like, hang on a minute. I've got an hour here where I'm on my own and I'm doing something that I absolutely hate. I should just be lying down. You know, I should like, <laughs> that's, you know, that's the thing. You know, when people go, oh, 
I can do nothing. I don't believe them. I can do nothing. I'm talking right. about like lying on a couch and staring at the corner of a rug. That I well, can you know do what that. it is. You work really hard. I mean, you know, you're not just a late night host. You're doing the Peter Rabbit movie. We'll, we'll talk about that. What you're doing, uh, you know, you're always involved in the, you were just involved in the Friends reunion. You were doing uh, Broadway shows. You're doing all kinds of shit, movies, everything, everything you're busy with. And the, you're absolutely right. I say to my wife every day, I get up and the day goes like this, especially days yeah. that I'm, I'm on the radio. It, it goes like, I turn around. It's, it's time for dinner and time for bed. Yeah, and, I, and 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 maybe I get a little bit of joy if I, you know, do a, a, a painting or something like this, and then I have to go at least take a forty-five minute walk and then get with the weights, and I despise it. It, it it's horrible. You're absolutely but right. I also don't trust personal trainers. Is what I've realized. I don't trust them. I don't think they want me to lose weight quickly. Because really, I've must have I must have burned through in my lifetime. I reckon 75 personal trainers, right? <laughs> where, where, Look at you. Check, where, <laughs> and I'll turn up and they'll go, they'll go to me. Okay. What do we want to do? And I'll go, I just want to lose like 40 pounds. And they'll go, all right, listen, it starts up here. Okay. It starts up here. Are you ready to get it? You ready to make that? change and i go uh, yeah, I yeah i am and they look and they go look at me man we're in this together we're gonna we're gonna burn this 40 pounds in a second and i'm like all right let's do it okay and they pump you up let's get some music on and they put on like jay-z or something and i'm like this is it i'm making the change and then they'll like put an elastic band around my knees <laughs> and be like okay and just do this there we go that's it and i'm like yeah i don't you ain't losing nothing to burn this isn't going to burn 40 pounds. <laughs> I'm lucky if this will burn a pound a week. And then I realize, oh, you're paid by the hour. Of course yes. you don't want me to shift this quickly. Crazy. We need you to fail. We need you to fail. But, you know, it, it's a funny thing. It, you don't, sometimes with weight loss, you don't want to even accept your own weight loss at first. Like, have you gotten to the point where you bought new clothes or are you afraid to buy new clothes because you know you're going to just get heavy again? Well, for some time now, I've had three separate wardrobes three three sections of a closet so like yeah. you're an embarrassment like right. there's a section that's you're an embarrassment there's a section that says you got to do better and there's a section that says yeah baby you're really doing this and that section on the far right has not been used in a while so i'm quite enjoying dipping into some of those some of those clothes <laughs> but uh no i've not bought masses of clothes because i'm hopeful that there's still a way to go you know yeah, you know, the the bottom line is, too, it is what you eat when you really think about it. You can work out all you want. If you don't cut down on the calories, you never lose weight. You know, you just never do. Well, should I it's tell you what I've realized? And this, I the, psychologically, I think this is the thing. I think dieting is wrong. The notion of going on a diet to go on something immediately plants the seed that one day you're going to come off of this. So right. you go on a walk. You go on a vacation, a holiday. There is always an expectation that you will return to what your life was before this. And so I've been on, I mean, I've done every, I've done every diet in the world, all of them ever, you know, shake in the morning, shake in the evening, the whole thing. <laughs> and shake. The only diet I've got is that like this, this WW, like Weight Watchers app thing that I've got on my phone that tracks what you eat. It's removed the notion of me being on a diet. It's like, I'm not on a diet. This is the rest of my life. 
and I'm going to have bad days. But when I've got those bad days, I can reset myself or I can even plan for like those dinners out. So let's say my wife and I, now that everything's opening up, we're like, let's go to a restaurant. I'm like, all right, we're going to go to a restaurant tonight. I'm almost certainly going to eat a piece of bread because you love for bread. some reason, you know, that's the, and then I'll plan for it accordingly. But you know, everybody talks about like metabolism. They talk about all these things. That's not the issue. Do you know the issue? Honestly, my fucking hands. My hands are the problem. My hands will reach for food that they know I don't want. They'll take the food. <laughs> Cut those things off. That's what I like. Honestly, that's the best diet I could do, which is strap my arms to my body. And I, <laughs> I think I would yep. shift this weight in a heartbeat. My father used to say to me when, um, you know, he used to see all these people write diet books. And he says, it's always heavy people who write diet books, he'd say to me. And, it, and then at one point, I remember when I was a kid, they used to sell a belt that you could wear around your waist. And they'd say... <laughs> It would dissolve all the fat. Right. So my okay. father goes, they should, my father was always angry. He goes, they should take that belt and put it around their mouths. Then they'll lose weight. It's the same <laughs> concept you have. That's what I mean about, my brain knows what I need to eat. My, my right. mind knows. Absolutely yeah. do not eat that piece of cake. My body goes, don't eat the piece of cake. My hands are reaching for that cake and they are just ramming it in my mouth. Even if I know deep down this is wrong. But you know, even when I always try to watch my weight, when I go to a restaurant, they put that, that, that the, the bowl of bread on the table. It really, if they, you know, my friends laugh at me, but if I could sit down and pre-order, if I could order from the car and they get there and the food is on the table, I wouldn't <laughs> eat the bread. I'm sitting there for hours. They're trying to give me alcohol. I, my friends will drink. I don't drink. And, and I'm sitting there and I, of course I'm going to eat bread. I'm bored and I'm hungry. This is it. It's yes. dinner time. You arrive I mean, hungry. Yes. That's why you're at the restaurant. So of course, <laughs> if they bring you a load of bread, you're like, well, this is all that's here. I oh, restaurants I... are, uh, this whole thing of COVID has really made me question the notion of being in a restaurant. Who are these people <laughs> that order like a coffee at 11 PM? Right. Bring me a coffee at the start of the meal. <laughs> you know, and they go, okay, you're, you're all finished with the dinner. You had like a starter, main, maybe even shared a dessert. It's 10.35 and someone goes, can I get anyone any coffee? I'm always shocked when someone goes, yeah, can I get an espresso? I'm like, it's 10.30 at night. What are you, what good can come from this? You mentioned uh, Weight Watchers. Is that how you, I, I, I read that you have Oprah Winfrey's actual phone number, which I don't think a lot of people have. <laughs> Is it because you went on uh, Weight Watchers and she's the chairman of Weight Watchers and somehow or they're- she they're, your they're... counselor? <laughs> she's my, yeah, she's my weight girl. No, oh, seriously, how do you I, get her can number? I'll be honest, I didn't yeah. know I had a number, right? So uh, uh, we did a, I'll tell you that so we did a talk. This is completely true. We did a talk about- you know, weight loss and, and, and the, the journey of it and all these things. To be clear, I just want to make this absolutely clear. Anyone who's just listening to this on the radio and not watching this, if they see me on TV tonight, they're going to go, he's fucking talking like he's lost a load of weight. He's still fat. <laughs> like, 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 I'm not, yeah. I sound like Tell I'm him to shut his like, fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah, like I'm the rock over here. Like, how did I right. get in this phenomenal shape? Like, I don't look good. I just look better. So anyway, me right. and Oprah were doing this talk and... What do you mean a talk? She, you mean a talk from for, for in front of an audience or, or just no, a talk? No, no, over, the... over Zoom like this. Right. For, I think for like a live web chat you know for, okay. for for ww so we're talking about this and she called me afterwards 
and the number came up and it was just to say that I really enjoyed that was really great thanks for spending the time you know what I mean it's very considerate in that way that's nice yeah so I saved that number as Oprah thinking deep down it's almost certainly not her number but it's clearly a right. way should I ever need to contact her and then on the show one night in the most organic way because our show has literally just become a group of people having a conversation in a right. lovely way um we were talking about businesses that we could we could start that would make us a load of money and our drummer guillermo said uh i was like what we need we need a brand ambassador for something that's what we need to do we need to piggyback a brand and, and our drummer guillermo said what about if oprah launches a branch of hotels mm. which is hotels all these things and we were all like oh my god we're going to make a billion dollars. And we were joking around and we were like, how do we contact Oprah? We can get to Gail. We don't know what to do. And then I said, hang on a minute. I've, and this is on the show, genuinely just completely organic. I said, I've got a number. It's almost certainly not her. Shall we call it? And we did on loudspeaker and Oprah picked up. And then I immediately got terrified. I thought this is surely the right. worst thing you can do to Oprah Winfrey is call her. And You've thrown her on the air live. Yeah, I mean, exactly. without prep. Right, yeah. But she was pretty incredible, and she actually quite liked the idea and sent me a text saying, I never answer the phone to numbers I don't know, and I don't know why I did. And that was how that came about. But that's the only time I've ever called her. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then you feel like a dick afterwards because you're like, you know, the woman gave me her number, and now I'm bothering her at home. And On the, the show. I mean, on the show, you know, yeah. But, yeah. I mean... I, I was trying to think, is it worse to call her on the show? Because at least it was funny. It's probably worse right. if I just called her out the blue and was like, just checking in, seeing how you're doing. That's probably <laughs> but <aren't> you, weirder. <laughs> but aren't you like me? Like I go, oh, she must think I'm such a fucking asshole. Like she gave me her number. She didn't want to be bothered and have me call her on her show. You know, there's it, it, a lot of paranoia involved in that. Oh, there's paranoia involved in everything. But that's... I know. Yes. And then very luckily and thankfully, she... At the moment that I started to think, hang on a minute, we should probably just cut that out of the show. That's not fair to call someone during the show. You know what I mean? Because obviously right. live, she sent a text going, that was hilarious. And I was like, oh, okay, let's carry on. You know? Yeah, I mean, she's like the queen or something. I mean, you can't, uh, you know, you just can't mess with the woman. But I mean, you know, look, the weight loss is fantastic. I'm sure you feel really good about it. I mean, to get that weight off is... Uh, well, we're trying. You know, we're trying. Yeah. We'll give yeah. It, it's, a, it's a journey. So, so like last night on your show, you had Ariana Grande on, right? Mm -hmm. And you did the whole dance number with her, like a whole like musical kind of, you know, yeah. hey, we, we're finally back in the studio kind of show. And she does a dance number with you and stuff. Yeah. Do you feel funny as a late night show host? contacting someone like her and saying, hey, give me up. You know, in other words, you probably had to rehearse with her all day to do something like that, right? I mean, it's an involved bit. Yeah. Do you feel... No, because... Well, no, because I don't personally make that ask. Do you know what I mean? Right. So we, we just had this idea for like, oh, what if we did a parody of this song, Good Morning Baltimore from Hairspray and said... Uh, you know, what if we made it no lockdowns anymore and made a big joyful song at the, on the day that all mandates have lifted in Los Angeles and this day we've been waiting for and all these things. So we, you know, I, I'm never like, hey, do you want to do this 
thing on, you know, text or whatever. So we just contacted her people. We send it through them. And wonderfully, they came back and said, oh, she loves this idea. She'd love to do it. And so and I have to say, you know, she's one of a few people who always has come through and, and gone that extra mile for us on on the show and things. And I'm constantly, I think to your point, on the day that we're filming it, I find myself just relentlessly going, thank you so much for doing this. I know that right. I don't like, because I think we were there like five or six hours, you know, doing it. And that, yeah. yeah, she's she's pretty amazing in that way. I would imagine you're taking the person who, you know, is doing a bit like that. It's not like a bit where, it, you know, it takes two seconds of prep. She's got to learn the song. She's got to learn all the dance moves, the whole thing. It's a, it's a big ask to ask people like that. Do you find in the ratings that when you have an Ariana Grande in a bit, does it directly reflect the previous night's ratings? In other words, do you see a blip or a bump in the rating? I don't, I don't know what our ratings are. I don't, I wouldn't know on our overnight ratings. I've, I, I promise you, I've never ever looked. I've, I've absolutely no idea. We will see a difference in like the, the YouTube views, of course, you know, right. She's a huge global megastar. So yes, that clip, I imagine will get far more views than if it was just me talking about the news that morning, you know? But why do you not look at the ratings? Is that protection so that you don't become no, influenced what's the by? Point? How well, can the point I adjust is... that? I can't adjust that. The film's on at 1230. The, the show's on at 1237 at night. Like I, my biggest competition is people falling asleep. Right. I can't, I cannot, I cannot move that needle. You know, I, that is almost impossible at that hour of the night. And so all I can be in charge of is making as good a show as we can. And that's it really. You well, know, I'm, I keep a track of like, how many countries our show airs in or how many I keep a track on like our YouTube numbers and, and things like that. But the actual overnight Nielsen ratings, I've just, it just doesn't really bother me because I think, how can I adjust that? What can I do to make people leave the TV on? You know, we actually even did a parody song one night Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack have formed a band called Silk Sonic and they've got a song called Leave the Door Open. And we did a whole parody of that called, uh, just leave the TV on. Right. <laughs> like, we don't yeah, mind if you've got to go to sleep. Just, <laughs> just leave the TV on, man. We've got to feed our kids, you know? Yeah, because <laughs> it I've is never a night ever looked at it. But it's a nightmare business because in a, in a sense, you know, so much with late night now, because there's so many late night shows and so much competition for those eyeballs, for those people who are awake. It's like it is a game of who is going to be the guest that night. And it's this endless pursuit. It's not only contingent upon your performance, but you know audiences. They go, hey, who's James Corden got on tonight? Who's this guy got on tonight? And then they make their choices. And it's just this burden, the booking burden of late night television. I would not want to be a booker on any late night show because it is it is just brutal. You know, yeah, and then Ari, I, I think uh, it is. I do. I do think you're absolutely right. I think booking those shows is because you're, you're, there's just too many. There's too many shows and not enough people. So, yep. you know, I, I completely sympathize all the time with the notion of trying to book this many guests for this many shows every single night is. Yep. A hard, it's horrible. Sure. It's horrible. Like Ariana Grande. 
Now she's got to go. Now she, now her people start getting calls. She did James Corden's show. What we had asked her previously, why didn't she do our show? It's almost like um, it's like a whole rigmarole when you agree to do a, a late night show because the other Sometimes. show starts. I'm telling we, you. So for us, I have to honestly, we there's often there's quite a lot of politics which I wasn't aware of, which I think exists more in those sort of eleven thirty slots than it ever does in the slot that I'm in right. of like following guests. We won't follow that show. We we made a rule like at the very very start. We'll follow anyone. Right. We'll follow. We look, we'll Smart. follow. We'll follow anybody. We are, all we care about is making the best show we can. I yeah. think because today with the notion of the internet, I get it. In the you know not early nineties, mid nineties, I guess even late nineties, really when when having someone first. People have only got so many stories and anecdotes. I understand it from then. And I think this is just a hangover from that. But like, if I want to see Chris Pratt promoting his movie in Germany last night, I can watch it in 45 minutes. So the notion of following and all those things, I just have never really prescribed to. All I really think about is let's just try and be the most original that we can be. That's all that really matters. You know, being on at twelve thirty-seven, it's interesting. The the um, first of all, you you are back now in the studio, but you don't have yeah. a studio audience yet. We don't. No. And I would think you're going to tell me no, but I would have thought you'd say, "This has been so fucking liberating, not having a studio audience. I love it, and I never want to see a studio audience again." But you enjoy the audience. I know that. I hate having a live audience. I think it's, well, it's the worst thing ever. Well, look, I don't think it's the worst thing ever. I'm very relieved that through that whole election cycle, we didn't, because so much of it was so dark. It was so bleak. Trying to talk about that in front of 200 people, I don't think would have been fun. And particularly our audience, which is the audience that we find in our studio, quite a lot of young Kids, quite a lot of teenagers, early 20s, quite a lot of tourists who've come to LA who they don't know about if Ted Cruz has taken a trip to Cabo. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't know. And yeah. so sometimes previously I would tell these, and I'd be telling these jokes to a group of people who are like, I don't even know the story, let alone get the joke. <laughs> you know, you're going to do a seven hour setup. You know, yeah, and they'd be like, a, why are you doing this? I thought we was just like a really fun time, <laughs> you know? So right. it's, um, so going through that election cycle, I did find it incredibly liberating actually to just be talking to our crew. I mean, we, right. we talked for a long time because at first we did the show in my garage, literally a few feet from where I'm sat right now. And that was not fun. That was right. really unpleasant being completely in isolation doing it on Zoom, which I'm sure is a, is a feeling that lots of people have felt this past 12 or 18 months. But Not for me, it's heaven, by the way, just so you know. I know I it love, is. Yeah, yes, no. I love it. Well, but you, yep. you've, you've really got this down. Like, you're never going to yep. go back to that studio, right? I love isolation. I love it. I don't want to see anyone. I want to hear anybody. I just want to be sitting here by myself. But I understand. But people do want to see you, though. That's what you have to understand, is that you have, oh, they to, can see me. You have to understand that, like, for me, my trips to New York which normally happens sort of once or twice a year of the last sort of five years of whether I'm coming into like the Tony awards or some CBS function or whatever it is. Take you, you won't take this compliment, but I mean it. 
an absolute thrill for me has been coming to your studio, seeing Steve, seeing Gary, seeing Robin, right, and then fun. sitting with you for an hour and a half is, you might not want to, and, but I promise you, for guests on your show, they really, really enjoy that time in your orbit for just a moment yeah you know and i know i'm being a little facetious i do i will go back to our studio in new york and when once we get this all settled uh we're trying to figure it out but you know with you i was wondering how cooperative cbs was i was uh you know seth myers of course is on the same time as you and when i was talking with him he was like nbc was so bad to me he was honest about it he said like they they put a lot of energy into the tonight show and into fallon but um, uh, when he was broadcasting from home during the pandemic, he said it was a nightmare. He had to like he had to set up his own equipment. He like nobody would help him. It was really difficult for him. Did you get a lot of support during this, or were you kind of loathed. like oh no, loads? I couldn't have oh, wished good. for more. Actually, it was it was uh, yeah. I like the 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 bosses that I have, and just the way that we sort of run our show. I, it couldn't be more supportive. Actually, I. I I couldn't give you one place where they've fallen down. And I might like, look, we, we sort of talk shit about them all the time on the show, but like deep down, it all comes from a place of, of genuine love. I mean, there's a weird thing happening, which we talked about last night on the show where obviously Steven's show is on before hours. He's in New York. He had like, I guess his audience holds 600 people, maskless, you know, all vaccinated, cheering in a theater. And we're still, having being in our studio no audience with masks on because we abide by a west coast cbs viacom i don't know what the fuck it is thing i've no idea but if i'm honest i quite enjoy that bit of fun that we can have i feel like our role as that twelve thirty show is to be a sort of juvenile younger brother who's just like we're gonna try and have as much fun here as possible can you believe they're letting us do this on tv this is stupid you know are you getting sick of the constant um uh, i don't want to say it, it, it's listen you put yourself on tv you know you're going to be controversial and to me i feel like all you want to do is just have some fun entertain some people and get out of there i happen to enjoy the bit you do where you take out these foods and people eat the food and if they, do, if they don't answer your question, they have to eat this bizarre food. Sure. So out of the blue, it couldn't be a more harmless bit in my mind. Out of the blue, I guess some group of people are offended by this because you are serving foods that are popular in their culture, which I don't know where this culture is, but what the <laughs> fuck? Who the hell is eating this shit like 3,000-year-old eggs and all this horrible stuff? Isn't that somewhat absurd? I'm. Mean, how are you going to deal with this? I know you want to be, you know, you you want to be sensitive to people's uh, uh, problems, but you're not going to give up that bit. I hope. Uh, no, look, we 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 heard of that. What you know, we we heard that this was this was a thing. So yeah, one hundred percent. Look, we you as you said at the start, we want to make a show that is just full of joy. We don't want to make a show that upsets anybody. So the next time we do that bit, we absolutely won't. Uh oh! Uh -oh. I'm losing you. I'm losing you. I... James, are you there? Should I hate? I hate when I lose the guest. Not for much longer, I don't think. Wait, maybe James will be back. I still see his video. 
but in spurts. Right. Are you there, James? James, you there? Oh, you're back. No, audio's Wait gone. Wait a minute. Say hello. We check, should be check. able to hear him. The video's yeah. now set. Yeah, everything's cool. Oh, here he goes. Can you hear me now, he's saying. <laughs> I'm reading his lips. <laughs> Wouldn't it be well, great if James Corden started masturbating like Jeffrey Tubin on CNN? He <laughs> thinks he's off camera thing. now. It would be so great if James all of a sudden started jerking off and goes, you know what? Hey, look, I'm not. On. Wait. Oh, wait. I'm going to put We're him on the phone. Break. Wait. Hold on. James. You yeah. there? What do I do here? I've called you. I don't know what's happened to my internet. I've called you on speakerphone. Yeah, I don't know. Your uh, Wi-Fi, it just dropped out all of a sudden. Let me see if I can, uh, oh, let me fix it. I'm not sure how to fix it. Oh, hang on. I, how are you going to fix it? I'm going to act like I know hang what on. I'm doing. <laughs> well, I've got you now on speakerphone. You know what I said would be funny? Oh, hang on. I think I can see you now. Can you hear me properly on the internet? I, yeah, I see you fine. No. I just don't hear you. We don't hear you no, except on the blurry. phone. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me tell you on the phone. So I was right in the middle of a, an answer. How much of my answer did you hear? I heard. I heard a good amount of it. Like I was. I, I was saying to you, when when you get this criticism, which comes out of the blue, like because you're eating strange foods, and then people go, "Well, that's our culture, and we love those foods." I mean, are people just being too sensitive about stuff? Well, that's really not for us to say. I think is is the answer. Like we we heard that story, and you know, the next time we. The next time we do that bit, we absolutely won't involve or use any of those foods. Like, as you said at the start, our show is a show about joy and light and love. We don't want to make a show to upset anybody. You know, look, in the same way that when we played it with Anna Wintour, we gave her a pizza covered in cheeseburgers. Do you know what I mean? So right. it's, it's all, you know, so we, we completely understand. And we just, yeah, I don't know when we're going to do that bit again. But when we do, we absolutely won't use any, any foods that it's not for us to determine whether somebody's upset or hurt about something, that's not for us to decide. All we can do is go, all right, we get, we get it, we hear you, we won't do that, you know? Yeah, I, I just thought, like, oh, my God, he must be getting sick of this. I thought, like, that, like you've even said when you came over from England, when you were, in, when you were living in England, you had a big hit TV show. And uh, yeah. and recently you went back to England because they had a sort of a reunion of the show and it was very successful in England. I just wonder sometimes if you don't pine away for the old days before all the bullshit, you know? Um, in what sense? How do you mean? In what way? I mean, you know, England is your home. I don't know. Do you love? Do you love living here? Do you love sometimes the criticism? You did a, 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 a nice job with the Friends reunion, and then, you know, critics will say, oh, James Corden shouldn't be hosting the Friends reunion. He's British. It's an American show. I mean, people were literally saying that, right? I mean, it's like... A, I, I didn't know. know about... I, I, if I'm honest, I just don't read anything. I don't read anything. I just don't engage with it anymore, because from what I can work out... Right, what I can work out... When you're doing a, a job like this, you're either the best thing in the world or you're shit. And neither <laughs> of those are true. That's right. Neither of those are true. And both of those are dangerous for you. So I just don't read anything. I don't engage with anything because what's the point, really? All I really am trying to do is 
provide the best life for my family and have a really good time on this sort of mad adventure since it's been since we came to America. So I don't right. know how long we'll live here. That's more a discussion for like, and my wife and I, we talk about it a lot because we've got, you know, parents who are a long way away, who we've certainly felt a long way away from this past 18 months. Like we really, it's been hard that to not see, for them not to see grandchildren for 20 months or how, or 19 months, however long it's been. Like it's a long time to be away. So, but then by the same token, we really are having a really, really lovely time. So it will be more a question of like educating our children. What sort of things do we want to do? How long do we want to do this for? And those are questions that I often say to, to Jules, my wife, I sort of just say, well, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. You know, that's the only way to do it. How involved do you get with with um, like booking the show? It's a, It's a weird thing. Like here you here you're a late night host, and I always I go through this all the time. Like I'll give you an example. Right now, Chrissy Teigen, who used to be you know a guest that was you know people wanted on their show, she's going through this controversial thing. She was bullying people on the internet. She was doing all kinds of weird shit. What like would you have her on the show now if she's called you up and said, James, I need to repair my image. I'm getting hammered on the internet. Uh, I need your show. Would you please, you know, let me get my word out about what's going on in my life? Would you say, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole, or would you say to her, come on my show and explain yourself? Where, what, how would you handle something like that? Uh, I guess the first thing is I, I doubt we'd be the... I doubt we'd be the show that she'd call if she needed to do some Why not? sort of PR. You know, because our show is a really kind of joyful place we don't we we've consider our position to we just have to provide a, a bit of light and levity at the end of people's days you know we should be the place you go after dinner the place you go after a show that is that is what we've always tried to create so i mean look yeah I, if she wanted to to come on and and talk about things like that i i think i think yeah i would be open to hearing all about that, but I can't imagine we would be the show that her publicist would even say is the right place to go to do such a thing, you know? Yeah, so you would have her on. You would say, yeah, what the hell, I'll, I'll talk to you about that. I, I You know, it, but because it's a tricky I thing, you don't want to... Are, look, my feeling is we are all flawed. We are right. all... We, there are slip-ups behind us, and there are slip-ups ahead of us, all of us. I don't, here's the truth as well. I don't really know a massive amount about this story because I haven't, like I say, I just don't really read anything. I just don't do it. Like, I haven't even got Safari on my phone, let alone Twitter or Instagram, because I just feel like it, do you know my thing about the internet on your phone? I feel like it is the most powerful thing in the world, and we've got it in our pocket. Like, if this was in ancient Greece or Egypt, the power of this thing would be kept so far away from humanity and it would be only looked at in times of absolute purpose. So I don't know a, a huge amount about the story, but if, if somebody ever said, I've made a mistake and I, I'd like to talk about it, provided, obviously, you've got to look into whatever that story might be, I would always be open to somebody saying, 
I look, I, I, I might have messed up here. Is that really true? You don't read the newspaper or check out the news? Because I think, you know, you do you do a topical monologue. You do have to be aware of what's going kind on. Of what helps, actually, is I get a spreadsheet of all the news stories in an email of what's in the news that day. So I just get to, and look, and sometimes I'll, like, upload Safari on my phone if I need to go and look at something. But it's actually quite a good test because if somebody says, oh, where's that such and such place? It's actually more fun to try and think about it and remember it than it is just to immediately Google where that place might be. It's actually more fun. It's a greater use of your mind. It's something you feel like it's a slight victory if you remember where that Whole Foods is. No, no, it's on the corner of Montana and ah, it's either seventh or ninth. I can't remember. It's quite fun. This is, and then you can. This is quite amazing to me. Again and do it again. This is quite amazing to me because you, you're almost like an Amish guy, like like <laughs> like you 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 you're ignoring the the benefits of the internet. You're saying I want to live in simpler times. I don't want to be uh, hearing all the negativity in the news and this and that and the other thing. But it, it, it's amazing because you're you're a curious guy. You're in show business. You're part of the oh, the, look, the. I go and look at things. Day, like I'll go and look on the New York Times or I'll look on or I'll open like the Guardian app on my phone. Like there is a way that you can receive news without just constantly, constantly sort of like, have you watched the, the Bo Burnham special on Netflix? It's called Inside. Have you seen it, Howard? Not yet, but I've heard people talking about it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's, it's exceptional. And he makes some really great points on the internet and living online. And I think the internet's wonderful. I think it's incredible. I think it's changed the world. I think it's changed travel. The very fact that we, although my internet is clearly shoddy right now, that might be another reason. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm holding my phone talking to you. But, you know, I think it's, there are, it is incredible what it's done for the world. It's amazing. It's brilliant. I just don't know if we as human beings need to be living in that place all the time. And if you look at this past 18 months, this last 18 months, what it's really felt like is, uh, what it's really felt like is we've all realized that actually human interaction and human connection is the very thing that binds us all. And you can have all of this. You can have the internet, you can have the world, all those things. But if you can't go outside and be amongst people and form and curate those relationships with your friends, form new friendships, new points of view, what's the point? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do know what you mean. And, and as antisocial as I am, I think um, I really need uh, to be with some people and, you know, like my... I, you know, my daughters now are able to visit and stuff. I, I mean, that it really seems like it's sorely needed to have some interaction with people and to human contact is really, really important. I mean, this this vaccine is the greatest thing that that ever happened. But how do you like this country where I, I, we have so many people in this country won't take the vaccine? I mean, that that's got to drive you crazy. Although maybe you don't know about it because you're not reading the paper. <laughs> well, that's, no, well, that's, I do know. Of course, I know. You that, do know. That isn't yeah. just this country. That. I think that's a struggle. You know, look, there are, there are people back at home in, in Britain who, who won't take it, that are skeptical of it. Uh, it's, a, it's a position that I can't ever completely understand. I, I'll never 
understand it. And I've found the politics. Am I right in saying that how this crisis has been politicised is the thing I'll never quite understand. How wearing a mask became political. How getting a vaccine became political. How a stay-at-home order became political is something I'll never quite be able to get my head around. But then there's lots of things I can't get my head around. You know what's fun about you? I just realized why I like you so much. I could tell you things that are going on in the world, and I could shock you right now. There's probably a lot of things you don't know because you don't really read the paper or you don't really... I'm going to tell you something right now. No, I do read the news. I just don't read it all the time and go to certain places. Do you know what I mean? Are you aware, are you aware that Ben Affleck and J-Lo are back yeah, together again? of course I am. Of course I am. <laughs> what do you think of that? Is that a mistake? You're in show business. You're way more in show business than I am. You're very accepted by Prince Harry and Oprah. What do you make of this? I would think that that is the worst idea for those two to be back together again. What do you think? I think they need to do what their heart desires. And wow. I think there's, yeah, I, I don't know how it. It didn't work yeah, the first time, James. James. Who are you well, kidding? You know what? There's a, there's yeah. a, uh, my my dad says to me once, where I this is years and years ago, maybe fifteen, seventeen years ago, I was thinking of getting back together with a girlfriend that I'd, I'd broken up with, and I'll never forget. My dad said to me, "Son, a bad shoe always pinches," and I said, <laughs> "What do you mean?" He said, "You know when you're in the shoe shop, yes. you know when you're in the shoe shop and you see a pair of shoes, and you go, well, I'm a nine." And they've only got an eight and a half. But you try them on. And do you know what? They feel good, actually. They feel good. And you look in the mirror and you're like, these, these shoes are unbelievable. I right. love these shoes. This is the greatest pair of shoes I've ever had in my life. You right. wear them. Everybody tells you how great the shoes are. And then they start to really hurt you. And your, sh- your feet are in agony. And you put those shoes in the closet and you go, I can't wear those shoes again. They killed me. And so about in other a words, year later, yes, a year later, you're in that closet and you go, oh, I fucking love those shoes. Everybody loved those shoes. Oh. They're the greatest shoes I've ever seen in my life. And you put them on. And actually, when you put them on, they go, oh, they actually feel good. Maybe my feet have shrunk. Maybe the shoe has stretched. Oh, man, <laughs> this is great. I'm wearing these out tonight. And that night, come midnight, you're walking home barefoot. In agony again. And I'll never forget my dad saying that to me. Ever, ever, ever. <laughs> very wise man, actually. Very, very yes, wise. He is a very um, wise man. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's such an interesting thing. When I read about your life, and I, because, I mean, I don't know, I don't know you well, but from the sense that I get is, is that you're a, a very evolved guy. You're a, you're a nice guy. You don't get, you don't, you're not overly angry. You have a philosophical view of the world, which seems to me to be very peaceful and very enlightened. And yet you described there was a point in your life when you started to get famous in England that you were out of control, that you were, you got such a big head and that you were acting quote unquote like a star that you actually had to seek out therapy, which again, I admire that as well because you said, I'm For out sure. of control. I'm acting like an asshole is your word. Uh, I'm yeah. going to go get uh, lessons on how not to be an asshole. And you went and did that. That is to me a fascinating evolution. 
How bad were you? Well, it, well, look, I wasn't like, it wasn't horrific. It wasn't like, you know, in terms of degrees, I was probably 10 degrees out, you know, from, from where I was. But I, my thing was I became, I've been in a very long relationship. We broke up and about seven or eight months after that, maybe less actually, probably four or five months after that, the show that I'd written for the BBC suddenly overnight just became like the show that people were talking about. And I just, I just ran with it because my feeling was like, this is going to go away at some point. No one's going to look at me. It's me. I'm not going to be, you know, I got to <laughs> yeah. get involved in all of this. And I was out and I was drinking and I was staying in places I shouldn't have stayed in. Just, just going out and having a good time. I'd never been to university. I was probably doing nothing that people at university don't do in their first three months when they leave home and go to university. But for me, I'd never had that experience. And I just went a bit, you know, so crazy. And there's a strange thing where, you know, people are telling you that you're great. And you can really start to think that you're more of a dude than you really are. And that is a dangerous place to be. And then I started making work that I didn't think was remotely good enough. And a couple of friends of mine were like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I remember, I can remember the first time I sat with a therapist in Regent's Park and like... I don't want to sound like a guy who lives in California who's like, oh, my God. I just, like, it wasn't that. This came from a place of, like, which I think everybody could benefit from at some point in their lives. It's just going, I need to fucking talk to somebody here. And I remember sitting down with this therapist, and I remember so I could, I could, if I shut my eyes, I can see the room. I remember every single corner of it, what it smelled like, everything. And he said, why are you here? And I said, I used to be, I used to be a, better man than this and I'm not entirely sure what's happened here and then over the next few weeks or months months actually but there was a change within about probably six weeks or so I just started to sort of reset myself and reconnect with my family reconnect with my actual friends as opposed to a mass of people in London who you know uh probably weren't I just didn't really know him that well, but it was all intoxicating. Everything's intoxicating. That first flush of fame is so intoxicating that you can't believe it. Like, I feel like anybody who becomes famous, some people say that you're stuck at the age you were when you became famous. I don't actually think that's true. I don't think you're stunted. I just wonder if you spend the rest of your life trying to seek the feeling that you had the first weekend you were famous. Because I don't care what anybody says, that first weekend is like the entire planet's changed. Because more often than not, you're drinking in the same bar, you're in the same restaurant, you're in the same street that you were eight weeks ago. And suddenly it's like it's your birthday party. And people are like, oh my God. And you're like, this is it. This is the thing. And by the Monday, you realize that there are a mass of things that come with this that aren't that much fun. But that first time is like, oh, and so... I'm very grateful to that period of my life now. I'm very, very grateful to it because I couldn't feel like a, a more different person today, a more judged, well, not judged, a, a, a person with a, a sort of a bit more clarity. I think I have a clearer judgment on myself and who I am, and I think children help in that, and 
my marriage has helped in that, you know. So I'm very grateful to that period, however turbulent it may have been. Yeah, you know, I'm really relating to this because I have said this on the air. Fame was intoxicating for me because I was so, before I became famous, I was not the belle of the ball. I wasn't the popular kid in school. I didn't, I mean, I was awkward. I had a lot of issues and uh, it was difficult for me to go in a room and make friends with people and really, you know, I, I certainly wasn't a ladies man, all of this kind of stuff. And when I became famous, I was like, oh my God. This is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. You hear people say, oh, fame's a burden, this and that bullshit. If I wasn't famous, I think I would have had a very, very miserable life because I, cr I craved attention. I wanted to be accepted. And it is an intoxicating thing. And I think a lot of people would benefit from uh, getting um, some sort of therapy and checking themselves in and, and saying, what the Well, I hell? don't know anybody who wouldn't. I don't know anybody who wouldn't benefit from... Uh, being able to talk to somebody in the most freeing manner where, and look, sometimes I would, I would be, I remember sometimes I would drive to Regent's Park and I would think, what am I going to say today? I'm fine. I feel all right. What do I even got to say? And then I'd say that I'd go, I don't really know what I'm meant to, I don't really know what I'm meant to say today. And he would go, well, tell me about your week. And then slowly but surely something would reveal itself. And you'd be like, oh, okay. I'm glad I've unpacked that a little bit. And that's not to say that any of us are just the finished, you know, article in, in any way. I am so far away from that. We all are. But, like, people evolve and people change. And I feel like if you're the same person today as you were 10 years ago, what's the point? You've got to evolve. You've got to keep moving forward. Keep sort of checking yourself, you know, and... So you, but yeah, you, I, you, I don't know anybody that wouldn't benefit from it. You, you only did therapy for like six weeks or so. That was it. No, no, no. It was, it was, it was a bit longer. That my point was after about six weeks, I started to feel and notice ah, a very definite change. I probably did it in total for about a year, and ah. uh, and then every now and then I'll I'll check back in and and stuff when I feel like I might be, you know, feeling like ah, oh, hang on, I might need to chat to someone here. Let me ask you this. Why have I been in therapy for 25 years? I mean, this is crazy. Everyone I talk to does a year. You know, they do a couple of check-ins. I'm in this thing 25 years uh, trying to straighten myself out. I mean, it's, uh, man, I, I'm having a hard time with it. I want to I well, be cured. I don't think there is a cure. I don't think oh. that exists. But I think definitely not for how. Say, but I think, <laughs> but like, here, I'd be interested to know. So, like, Robin, you would know better than anybody else. I think it's knowing, like, and I, like you say, I, I only know you have from, like, coming and doing the show, and every time I come, I'm like, oh, man. I just, I love the whole experience of it. But, Robin, tell me, like, how has Howard evolved over this past 10, 15 years? Because I think, as a, as a fan from the outside, the evolution is seismic. What's it felt like to you? Oh, he's a completely different person than the person I started working with, uh, a hundred years ago. Robin, how dare you? What? <laughs> what? Don't tell my secrets. No, oh. I am different. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> completely Robin. different. All right, Robin. Let me, let, so how am I completely different? I'm a little more, uh, I'm, I'm. You're what? approachable. 
Oh, you're okay. you have mm. compassion for people. Mm. You you think about what you're doing now as opposed to acting and then regretting it. You have regrets. I've, you know, those uh, you 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 are reflective at this point in your life and you I think appreciate things more than you ever have. Uh, you'll never say you're happy, but you do appreciate. I do. Robin more is right. than you did before. Well, Robin knows me so well, you know, I, I know it has worked and I'm not trying to be cavalier. I'm saying it's been a 25 year process. I just, I get a little envious of like people like Robin and you who do therapy for a year and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm good. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, but, you know what I think is, but you know what I think it is, how, you know what I would say is that I think like you say, and I think there are some similarities perhaps in our sort of feeling at school and, and all those things and, our, you know, a, a feeling in your core of like, I'll fucking show you, you don't even, you wait, you know sort of thing and then and then what happens is you get that for a weekend and then you're like oh shit well i can't let this go so then you just keep chasing something and chasing something and then one day you go hang on a minute all of the things i'm chasing are none of the things i need right They're none of the things and you like my life has been a sequence of thinking when i get my driver's license my life will be like this when i get my uh, first apartment, my life will be like this. When I get a job, my life will be like this. When I get some money, my life will be like this. And all of those things haven't happened. Like, when they've happened, I've just constantly been looking to the next thing. And actually, there's a moment that comes where you sort of go, wait, don't, Jim Carrey says it best, right? Jim Carrey, who I, don't, who I don't know, I've met, but I don't know. He says an amazing thing about fame where he says, you have to construct a caricature you have to construct a new version of yourself to get famous. And then when you get there, you have to make a choice at some point, which is I will either reveal to you who I really am, safe in the knowledge that all of this might disappear and at peace with that, or I will kill the person that I actually am and I will maintain this construct forever. And I think deep down what 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 you've done what i hope i would do or i'm still striving to do is to go well i know who i was when i was clamoring for this thing but this is who i actually am and i hope that you would accept that and i think what's amazing about you and you talk about it in the book so brilliantly is you know you talk about the the steps that you took to to make those changes in your career you know doing the big nbc show doing those things going you know, that thing that I was, that thing that I'm known for, I know it got me here, but it's not who I physically am. And let me reveal that to you. And I think it's been the most beautiful evolution, and I think it will continue to be so. First of all, I'd never heard the um, Jim Carrey explanation of fame like that and what happens. That is a genius. That is a genius uh, uh, a thought, I think. I, well, he's a wise man. Yeah, where did you uh, where did you hear that? Did he do that in an interview or something? I think I read it in an interview. Now, look, we're living in an era where lots of things are attributed to people that weren't often <laughs> attributed to them. So I hope, as I've said it, it is attributed to him. From what I can remember, I think I read it on a plane in an interview, like in a magazine, and I remember thinking, "Oh my god!" But I could be wrong on that. But I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah, that uh, that is a, a brilliant thing. And what is going on? Before, you know, what is there's so much to ask you about what is going on with you and uh, Prince Harry 
this is your dear friend, right? I mean, he, he's now moved to America. This is a good friend of yours. I mean, it's not just a, uh, hey, I see him at uh, some award show or something like that. This is a guy you will hang out with. Am I correct? Um, I've known him for a while. We actually haven't hung out uh, in Los Angeles because he lives in Santa Barbara, which is like, you know, what's that, an hour and a half away from where I am now. So I haven't seen him a, a huge one, but I'm in contact with him. Yeah, I'm very fond of him. I think he's a, I mean, there's there's someone who, who you know, you, you should talk to about sort of the notion of mental health and evolution. I think he's quite profound when he talks on those subjects. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy, you know, I, I constantly analyze the situation because what he did was he essentially estranged himself from his family, which is one of the hardest things you can do in life. He literally walked away from his nuclear family and uh, decided to sort of go off with his wife. And I got to tell you, man, you know, it's a ballsy thing to do, but in a way, too, it's got to be killing him inside. I, I bet you this is not easy what this, what this guy's going through. But Well, I, 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 can't, I, haven't, I can't imagine any of it's easy. I can't no. imagine any of it's easy. I, but I don't think any person in such a position or place that life is easy. I really don't. So... Yeah, I, I've never really spoken to him about it in in depth in any way. I know that that's hugely disappointing to you, but I haven't. It is, and, uh, and I know it is. But well, uh, this is this I, is your I, assignment. You got to go with your buddy. <laughs> Here's your assignment. You need to talk to him. I mean, this is a guy. He's a fascinating guy. I mean, everything in his life that's going on is motivated by the fact that his mother died at a young age. He didn't get to really know his mother because. She was essentially killed by fame. And 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 it's probably given him such agita his whole life that he, he can't accept the fact that, like, these paparazzi were chasing his mother and, it, and his mother was taken away from him. He's probably angry with his father because the father divorced his mother. It's, it's an unbelievable story. He's got to be tortured inside. My feeling is that there is so much attention placed on him and his family, his immediate family and its, and his extended family, that um, to speak or comment on such a thing, I would feel completely uh, uneducated to do such a thing because all I know is, like, the Harry that you saw on the, if you watched it, the clip that we did when we were on the open top bus and stuff, that to me is a great reflection of the person that I know. I would never even begin to speak about his experiences because I, I just, I, I'm absolutely not educated in such a way to ever talk about such a thing. Were you angry with the Oprah interview? Did you feel that Oprah was trying to steal your friendship and thunder with Harry when she uh, <laughs> not did in that? Any way. Not at all. You didn't not feel competitive. No. Now, now, w to me, you have the uh, ultimate thing out now. This uh, Peter Rabbit uh, thing, it, because to me, this is a great job. When someone taps oh, you, it's absolutely a great job. It's great. For, uh, first of all, it's not going to piss anyone off. That's number one. It's not like you're doing something that's going to. It's a family friendly thing. You don't have Are the to rabbits even... going to be upset that you played a rabbit. Right. Yeah. In other words, you're not going to get in trouble for playing a rabbit. Robin is 100 percent right. Right. I, you know, which makes me think 
what about this controversy? I never think of you getting in trouble, but you played a gay man. And then gay people said you shouldn't play a gay man because you're not gay. Where do we stand on this, James? Give us a statement on this. Um, I, look, I, I think people, I genuinely believe that, that people are absolutely free to express however they feel about any, anything. I do. I do. I think it's completely, uh, I think it's everybody's right to, to express how they feel about anything. And so, and I think, you know, I, I really loved being part of that film. I had some really lovely uh things said about it and i and i think the film is i was so i really will always be incredibly uh grateful to be in a film that is absolutely just about acceptance and love and and all of those things so i've i've really i I really like you know working with meryl streep and ryan murphy and andrew reynolds and the entire cast like joe ellen pelman ariana like it was um it was a really, really special time, and I, and, I, and I think the film is good, and I think the message of the film is, is, really, is really great. So I, I really, yeah, I, it, was, it was a really good time in my life filming that film. It really was. My stance is it's acting, and if you're chosen to play a character, whether the sexuality of the character is gay or straight, I, I, it's act, in other words, you don't have to be the the person that you're playing. It, you, it, but that's your opinion. But that's your opinion, and you are absolutely entitled to that. And then other people's opinions would be different, and they are entitled to that too. Neither is right here. Your opinion is valid, and anybody else's opinion is valid, and your want and need to share such a thing is valid. And I, I understand it. So I think if we if we all look at things in that way and go that is that is somebody's opinion and it's valid and they wanted to share it and they felt compelled to in the same way that this is your opinion and it's valid and you felt compelled to talk about it i think that that's okay and i think if we're all just a bit accepting of that that there are always going to be differences of opinion there are always going to be people who feel one thing and people who feel another and the trick is to be accepting of all of those things and go I get it. I accept it. That's your opinion. And I completely think it's valid. And if you felt the need to share it, I hope your day is better because of that. And that is the the key to to all of this. I think it's the key to what's happening, what you see happening politically, is it's all right to have a difference of opinion. It's okay to feel differently about different things. Now, look, I don't think it's okay if something is uh, causing hatred and inciting hatred or inciting harm or hurt, that is a completely different thing. And it's disgusting and it's awful. It's awful. Um, and so, but my feeling is like, if someone feels something and they want to share it, great. You, 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 you did it. Well done in, in the way that you just shared how you felt. And again, I think that's okay. I think well, it's okay to have those differences. I'll tell you something. And I'll tell you this. Uh, I was offered a movie role recently, uh, before COVID, where, now that I'm thinking of it, I didn't even consider this, the character was gay. Uh, and I never, I, I turned it down for not that reason. I turned it down because I, I just didn't feel that I wanted to act at that point. 
And uh, and I didn't know. I, I don't know. I had a whole bunch of feelings about it. But the, the, it never entered my mind. I swear to you that oh, because this guy kisses another man in the movie. Blah blah. It never even entered my mind that that would be something I should turn down because it was an acting role. I'll, I'll be honest with you. So I, I would have come out of left field if the, if the movie came out and I was uh, gay in the movie and people said, oh, look what he's doing. He's uh, I, I just never occurred to me. I swear to you. Well, look, it, it occurred to me, and I spoke to Ryan Murphy about it. Ryan Murphy is was the director and producer of the movie. He optioned the rights of the Broadway show, and he um, and I spoke to him about it. I spoke to him at length about it, actually. And he just said, "Look, I'm going to I'm going to guide you through this." He said, "This entire cast is we have gay actors playing straight roles. We have straight actors playing gay roles. We have straight actors playing straight roles and gay and gay actors playing gay roles and and." He said, I am going to guide you through this every step of the way. And he did, you know. And I think the film, the prom is, you know, the, the adaptation of the Broadway show, you know, I went to see the show on Broadway and, like, Brooks, who, who created that role, was just extraordinary. I mean, he has a line in the show where he says, uh, which was in the film, where he says, I'm as gay as a bucket of wigs. And it was like, it was a brilliant line, a brilliant. His, his character was just, his performance was incredible. And so... Um, my entire time was just trying to do the the text. You know, the show was written by a, a gay man and a straight man. And But look, I come back to it. I promise you, it's all right to have a difference of opinion. It's okay if you feel something, if you feel something's wrong, and it's okay to voice that. And we as people in this industry, we have to be okay hearing that. It's all right. It's right. okay to feel these things. It's okay to voice these things. And whatever you feel in response to that is okay too. Right. So you might. So if I offer, I'm writing a film for you right now. You don't know this, but it is. You will be playing a gay man. Uh, will you take the role, or will you have to really think it through because uh, you don't want to uh, step on anything? Well, no. I would. I would. I would read it, and I would talk to you in the same way that I spoke to Ryan Murphy. And whatever your response would be, and I would ask about the other casting in the, the film and all of those questions, the same questions that I asked that time around. You know. All right, listen, don't take it too seriously. I didn't write any movie, okay? Listen, James, <laughs> yeah, talk to me about this. He'll be on the phone this. with you later. <laughs> I am quite frankly jealous because I feel, I can't believe someone hasn't asked me to voice a cartoon. I feel I do voices. I would like to do one they for you must now. Have. I don't believe no. you. There is Hello? no way. There is no <laughs> way you haven't been asked to voice a character. You know that you have. You no, just told maybe me you've I been have. offered a movie. Yeah, of course you have. You know, now that I think honest, about it, which I was. Which roles have you turned down? Oh, I have turned down some roles. I have. I've yeah. turned down, I've, I turned down yeah. a role that would shock the hell out of you. A major film that was a huge hit. And I turned it down. Go on. I'm not going to tell you. Okay, you tell me later. No, of course, you shouldn't. It would be unfair on whoever eventually It was weird. I actually was going to play a gay rabbit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish we'd have all seen your James Bond. I think you'd have been fantastic. I really did you did. imagine me as James Bond? Wouldn't that be the greatest? I mean, you know, I think it would be. I think it would be absolutely exceptional. All right, I'm going to tell you what it was. I, they wanted me to be Batman. Uh, I was. Uh, I was up for that. But no, no, no. But I get it. here's why I'm envious. This is a great role. You play the voice of Peter Rabbit, right? I mean, this yeah. is. This has got to be fun. It's got to be less pressure in the sense that you don't have to get all dolled up for the role and, and, and worry about your physicality. 
I would think this is a great uh, a thing to a kind of thing to get into. And we know if this thing keeps franchising more Peter Rabbit, mm-hmm. Peter Rabbit nine, Peter Rabbit beats uh, Godzilla, <laughs> ka-ching, ka-ching. Then we're talking big bucks. Am I correct? And how much do they pay? Well, they might be they might be bucks to me, but I think it would be relatively small bucks for you. That's the difference. But um, yeah, look, I I love doing like you say. It's kind of a, a dream because I, it's important to say the film is written and directed by uh, Will Gluck, who is was responsible for the first movie. I absolutely just adore any time I'm in a room with him. Quite often, it's just he and I in a booth, and uh, I've I love being in his orbit just doing little riffs and runs and bits and stuff and we just keep doing the film we probably recorded the film like i don't know 28 or 30 times over the over the course of it do you have to audition for something like that or are you at the point in your career where it's like fuck you i'm not auditioning for your fucking rabbit and you tell these guys off well no (laughs) i was very fortunate because will will saw me in a a play that i did uh in the national the national theater that i did in new york and he had seen that play. And so I think after the show started to do well, um, I'd met him after that show. So I've met him already. So no, I didn't have to audition, but it was very, he very kindly said that he'd like me to do it. Yeah. So he didn't come to you and say, listen, I, I, listen, you don't have to audition, but you know, let me hear what you'd sound like if you were a rabbit. You know what I mean? Let me just make sure. No, there was, like- none of, there, was, there was none of that. No. No. What is your what is your rabbit uh, voice? Is it is it what I'm hearing now, or do you have some Remarkably sort of rabbit? Remarkably similar to mine. It's probably a slightly higher register. It's probably more up here, Howard. Come on, Robin, let's go. It's a bit there. Kind of like it's this. Hey, I'm a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's all up there. How's everybody doing? I'm a rabbit. No. Ah, yeah, that's where it is. Jesus. And there's got to be great money in this. This is a very popular movie already. It's, you know, here we are in a pandemic and the damn thing's making money. Uh, this is fantastic. Yeah, no, it's, doing, it's doing really well. It's doing, yeah, it, it's doing great. So, and the first one, the first one did brilliantly too. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I'm, and it's so great that I'm so proud of that they all decided to hold their nerve and wait for it to be in theaters because I think they know that it's a film that, because, like, look, I've got young kids. And so I love the movies where the kids are enjoying it. And I'm enjoying it at the same time for a different reason, you know? And, and that's what this film is. So I really, uh, I really like that about it. And so I'm really pleased that like, so many parents and children seem to like it. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I had young kids at one point. I couldn't let them listen to the radio show. I told them I was a doctor. I never even told them I was in show business. Uh, you at least yeah, do projects. You, at least you can bring the kids to uh, a nice movie, and there you, you are. The boy, the kids have to be impressed with you. I always was trying to impress my. Oh, kids. they couldn't care less. They could not care less. They just they couldn't care. I honestly really? thought. I mean, maybe I'd get a day, and they couldn't care. My son <laughs> said to me the other day, "You know, it'd be a brilliant piece of rabbit." I said, "Dude, he said Tom Holland." <laughs> and I was like, I was like, why? And he said, oh, he's just got that really unique sort of British voice. <laughs> that's like, yeah. You mean to tell me when you play a rabbit and the things are hit and then they come back to you for the second rabbit movie, th- there's got to be a tremendous financial payoff. I mean, you've got to say, listen, you want yeah, me in this. You have to remember, you have to, I know we're having a very open and lovely conversation. I'm still British and talking about money is deeply embarrassing for any british person i just couldn't ever begin to imagine to 
to engage in in such a. <laughs> I listen. I googled you. My dad has disowned me. I'm going to be honest. Before you came on, I asked Siri how much your net worth was. <laughs> I, this is something I do all the time, and it said you're worth twelve million dollars. And I said to myself, "Wait a second. Not that twelve million dollars is a little bit of money. You could live very nicely on twelve million dollars." But I'm saying, wait a second. James Corden has his own late night show. He's constantly in some other project. Now he's in the Peter Rabbit movie. Ka-ching, ka-ching. I mean, 12 million. Who is your agent? Who's negotiating these contracts? What's going on here? You've got to be worth more than 12 million. You got to be. I, I wouldn't know. I don't know. What? I wouldn't. I don't. I don't do know. What, do you know how much money you're worth? To the penny. <laughs> do you? Oh, yeah. You mean you check your bank balance and. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, you, no, you wait a second. I don't you trust you. people to handle your money and you don't know how much money you have? No, I mean, I've got a rough idea of what's coming in and what's going out, but I'm never really exact on it. It's just not. I've also just like money's it's different money in America and money in England. Like it really is like money. I never, ever, ever got into, you know, this business. I wanted to be an actor, a performer, you know, whatever it is I'm, I'm doing right now. I never wanted to. It was never like, oh, I can make a load of money doing this. I just never, ever thought it. I felt like I didn't have a choice. I just wanted to perform somehow. I just wanted to be on a stage somewhere. Agreed. You know? Me too. Me too. I, didn't, I yeah. never thought a disc jockey could make any money. I, just, I, I made $250 a week. I said, I can live on that. I, I wasn't in it for the money. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been successful. You wouldn't have been successful. But you better keep a, a, a lid on this and, and, and track this money. I don't like the, the business setup. I'll have here. a look after this. And next time I'm on, we'll have a really open. I'll bring my financial <laughs> advisor and we'll just really just open the whole thing up. I mean, can, can I be honest with you? And, and this is embarrassing to admit. Sure. I count my money during every commercial break. I, uh, I have <laughs> no, a, 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 I have a constant yeah, and I printout. Yeah, it's gone up considerably every commercial break. That's why you look at it. That's, That's why right. you look at it. It's like a guy looking at cryptocurrency. Oh, I'm up seven grand. <laughs> no, no, no. But seriously, you, you know, I imagine you have an agent and a business manager and, and, and all these people. I, 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 you know, I swear, I'm going to call you off the air. I want to know the structure of what's going on over there that you don't know what you're worth. I mean, I, well, I would love your guidance. Your guidance uh, would be, I'm sure, beneficial. It really, really would. When you go out to dinner with Prince Harry or, or even I've Harry Styles. You go out to yeah. dinner with Harry Styles? I have been, yeah. Who pays? Do you pay or does Harry Styles pay? It's often a sort of, I'll get this one, I'll get the, you know what I mean? You get the next one exactly. type of thing. And then I just try and judge where we're eating. You know, if, okay. if I think, well, I got the last, Harry got the last one, so we should probably just go somewhere very mid-range. And then the next time when Harry thinks, you know, Styles is getting it, then like, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I feel like Japanese, you know. Uh, no, I, think, I wouldn't know who gets it, but I, I think everybody's pretty good about, about you know, paying. I see. So you don't sit and look at the bill and say, hey, Harry, you ate the shrimp cocktail. Uh, and, <laughs> no. and then they go, okay. But now, now, no. now here's what I got to ask you. When I was watching the Friends reunion, you had mm. a moment, you're talking to the Friends, and I liked the Friends reunion. I really did. I thought it was terrific. It really, I didn't know I had that emotional of a feeling about Friends, but I did. I, I got emotional when they came back on the set and this and that. And there was a moment where you turn to the group and you say, kind of like, I forget how you put it, but it was great. You go, hey, are you guys constantly in touch? You were so connected through this TV show. And Matthew Perry says, 
No one ever calls me. Well, I'm certain that he's joking because he's always pretty well, quick with a joke. So he's always bursting think... with a joke. You know, that was my experience. And I was only there for a few hours in the afternoon. But like he was he was always the, the first person. I think, you know, to you, well, that's who he is. You know, anytime he's been on our show, you know, to deflect with with humor in those things, in those moments to sort of pierce a moment with a with a zinger and a great joke. I think that's absolutely who he is and what he does. Well, I must be crazy because I think the guy was being very real. And I was waiting for, like, what the fuck happened? Like, he said, yeah, you know, like uh, Courtney Cox said, yeah, I see Jennifer. Jennifer goes, yeah, I call Lisa. And uh, yeah, Joey says, oh, I saw this. And Matthew goes. They're all very, very tight. They're all very tight. To see. That was my experience of, of being there. I think they're all in constant contact with each other. Like, that was my that was my absolute feeling is that they, that is that is as tight a six people as as you could ever imagine like the, the volumes of respect between the six of them is extraordinary I, I was really impressed by it if i'm honest just being around them and seeing the way that they interact with each other the way they each give each other space to speak to tell stories to you know someone will throw something up knowing that the other person's gonna just you know knock it out of the park in those ones and that's just even in chatting backstage let alone on the show you know how do you get that gig? In other words, was there uh, a discussion of that there were several people? Because to me, that would seem like a, a, a job. Maybe you might even say to yourself, I don't even know if I want to interview the friends because there's such an expectation. People are expecting something fantastic to happen, something extraordinary to well, happen. I never then, really saw it as an interview, really, in truth. I, look, I, I'm, I, I always saw it as just a, um, a, being almost a moderator, like at a, at a, Paley Fest or a Q&A. I never really saw, in fact, I'm not even down, I think, in the credits as a host or an interviewer. It's just moderated it's a celebration by. That, that's really the, the job. So, look, I was very, very surprised when they asked me to do it. Because um, when I said to Ben, you know, like who directed and produced the show, uh, I was like, they could really probably, I imagine, get anybody in the world. I think because on our show, historically, we have all of our guests out at the same time. So I'm sort of, I think, used to interviewing multiple people. I think that might have been part of the reason. You know, I spoke to David Schwimmer about it. I spoke to the cast. I spoke to Bright Kaufman Crane, who created Friends, and, and they all made, um, they were all very, very complimentary in, in why they would want me to, to do such a thing. But like I say, I'm such a sort of tiny part of that show. I'm not really, I'm really just moving the ball around them to, to just give it some sort of location and space within the special. The show is about friends and the six of them coming back to revisit it. I am merely like at best that bread roll that neither of us want at a dinner table. Like I'm just there on the side, just, just ushering things through really. That's how I viewed it. I didn't really view it as like an interview. Yeah, right. You're right. And you know what? It's it's smart of you to do it that way, because if you started inserting yourself too much, then people say, oh, look at James trying to take over. The oh, my God. Reason. Why would you ever want to? And I'm like, I'm well, like, I'm well aware. Like this show It's why I feel like I don't want to be the host of this show. Do not like, please don't don't call me that. I'm just this. You know, I, I don't know how much of the show I'm actually on, but it's it's less. It's it's probably less than a quarter. If you look at the actual constructs of the whole show, you know, which I think is a beautifully made piece of television. Yeah. Did you watch it or did you say, uh, I'm just, yeah. you did watch it? You, no, no, you no. Were happy I, with, well, I watched yeah. it because, 
No, well, yeah, I watched it because I'm a huge fan of Friends. Like, that's the thing. Like, that show meant a, means, still means a huge amount to us. And I think, look, nostalgia is so powerful. Nostalgia is arguably more powerful than anything brand new, you know? And particularly coming out of this year that we've had, to look at something in, with nostalgic eyes, to feel that level of emotion, to, to see the level of joy within the six of them, it's, it's quite, uh, it's really quite powerful, I think. So now that the pandemic is, you know, certainly has eased up, you got, you, you're going to go back to carpool karaoke at some point? Um, I'm hopeful when they let us, yeah, I'm hopeful that by sort of maybe, I don't know, August, September time, we'll be able to, to do that again if we can find someone to do it with. Yeah. Right. And isn't it weird too, because you did it with Paul McCartney. And now it's like you've done it with the ultimate. You did it with a beetle. Like, what do you have to do now? Now you have to go backwards and get some schlub who, you know, maybe isn't <laughs> well, as we've good. Well, we've done it with a lot of people. We've done it with a lot of people since Paul McCartney. So yeah. I don't think that will be a, I don't think that will be an issue, you know? When you did it with, you, you must follow a little bit about what goes on with Britney Spears and her father and all this stuff. When you did carpool karaoke with Britney Spears, did you sense she was there was a cry for help there that there was did she blink or whisper in your ear? She was, was great. Fine. When we did, she was great. Like she was, um, you know, we were dressed up as schoolgirls doing "Hit Me Baby" one more time. Like she was, she was fantastic. Like I remember us singing like "Toxic" at the top of our voice and things. She was, she was brilliant. She really, really was. Yeah. She, so was she never whispered in. She, she never call, pulled you this night. Listen, get me, get me away from my father. You gotta, you gotta help me out. You know, nothing like that. Mm -hmm. Never once. I think that would be because uh, uh, I'd never met her before that, you know, before we did it. So I think it would be odd for her to do such a thing. But I will say my experience of doing it with her was, was great. And she's talked, you know, favorably about it since yes. as well. It's a, it's a good one. It's a really good I'm one. A, I'm a free Britney guy. So I was like, uh, maybe she turned to you. Listen, you've got to help me get free. You know, uh, I, it certainly well, she turned to me. This some time ago. I think we did it. I think right. it was like four years ago. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, look at you. You're lighting the world on fire. As you say, fame, you had to be controlled. You had to get your life together. There was a point in your life you got famous, and your mother used to pray for your salvation. So that, and your sister, too, prayed because they felt you were off the rails. Now you're together. Now you're evolved. After six weeks of therapy, you changed. You became the guy. No, I didn't. I'm recapping. I just, started, I just started to feel the impact of such a thing. Yeah. Yes. But you evolved. That's the story that we're trying to get out there. Trying to say you're doing it all. You got your head on your shoulders. You got a family. You're a rabbit in a movie, which is the ultimate Hollywood thing. I mean, this is the, the pinnacle. This is what every celebrity wants. To be yeah. in a cartoon type situation. I wouldn't even call it a cartoon. Yeah. It's really more evolved. It's a very expensive production, quite frankly, I would imagine, to make this movie. What does a movie like that cost to make? I'm not sure, actually. I don't, I don't actually know the, yeah. the, the answer to that. I, think it, I don't think it's more than, I'm not sure. I don't think it's more than like $50 million. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, though. I could be way wrong. I don't actually I know. See. It's fair to say that we are speaking with James Corden. He's a talk show host, he's a father, and he's a rabbit. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty damn impressive to say that. Finally, as we look over the talk show landscape, a lot is happening. As you know, that's constantly evolving. You're in it. 
I was watching the CNN show about late night television. You're involved in it, but I felt you should have been more involved in it. I feel because you're British, you were segregated from the American host. <laughs> I haven't seen it. So I don't, I don't oh, know. you saw it. You know you feel the same way I no, do. No, I, I honestly I haven't. I genuinely haven't, I haven't seen it. I'm a big fan of Bill Carter's. He made it, but I haven't watched it. Is there some talk show that you watch on a regular basis to keep you inspired? In other words, when you're in the grind day in and day out, or is there somebody in the business who is a fellow talk show host who you can, maybe it's Colbert because, you know, you follow him. Is there someone that you confide in who can advise you and keep your head on straight, who is in the game? Um, there's no one that I really would turn to in terms of, like, advice. Or The only person I've actually ever really turned to for sort of talk show-type advice is, like, Kimmel. Um, Kimmel? Because I'm... Yeah, I'm a real fan of his. I, I really like him. I mean, look, I, I get on well with, with everybody, but he's the only person, in, and it was only out of an organic kind of, we've been saying to each other for six years now, let's have dinner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Having a week, it just has become like a running joke now. And uh, and I'll often, you know, I'll often email him when I hear him on your show because I always think he's just a brilliant interview. And he's the only person I've ever gone, look, what should I do in this situation? And... Uh, and he was like, I do this, you know? And he was generous about his advice. And I like, find... always generous. You know he is. He's always yes. generous about those things. Like, they all are. Stephen is. Jimmy is. Both Jimmys are. Seth, you know, everybody. I would say, like, I know that you always want there to be some kind of, like, competitive angst. But that just... That could not be further away from my experience since I've been doing this show, is I only see a group of really, really supportive people who are like, not many people know what this feels like to do this job. I'm here if you need. You know? And that's Trevor. Every, you know, every, every single person, every single one of them has been nothing but kind and outward-looking in, in praise and encouragement. And I would hope that, that they would say the same about me. Uh, they wouldn't, because um, I, I actually meet with a lot of these guys. You know, I, I'm friends with almost everyone yeah. at late night. And I got news for yeah. you. I know the real guys. I do. You're right about Jim. Jimmy's very okay. general. But I've heard some things when they're talking. We have a couple of drinks, whatever. You should see what goes on. You know, everyone's got a little gripe about this one or that one. I know the truth. You, but I understand what you're saying. I, I hear you. What is your take on Ellen DeGeneres. Is she leaving because of the controversy or is she leaving because she had enough? You would know you're in the talk show business. I think she's always, I think she's always been leaving. I think when she agreed, to, I don't know when it was she agreed her last contract. I think it was, I don't know if it was two years ago, three years ago. I think she always knew that that would be the last contract she signed. I think. I don't want to talk for it, but I imagine. I, I can remember her saying to me quite a long time ago, I think that's my last contract. You so know all imagine. you guys do that, though. You do that all the time. I'm like, I don't know. I think I, Jimmy does it all the time. This is, my, this is it. This is my last contract. I do it all the time. And then the next thing you know, you're signing a new contract. You know that. Stop it. When did you last sign a contract? When was your last contract I, that you signed? I, I signed a contract almost uh, a year ago. Uh, I guess It was uh, in the pandemic. During the pandemic. And I, I would say to Robin, that's it. I'm done with this bullshit. I don't need this anymore. Blah, 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 blah. The next thing I know, I, I signed a new contract. 
for five years. <laughs> so why do you keep? Why do you keep? What is it that keeps you doing it? Because you don't need any more money. What is it that keeps you doing the show? James, first of all, I'm afraid to walk away from it. I swear to you, when I got into it, much like yourself, you're so 100% right. I didn't get into it for money. I thought, oh, I want to be a DJ and I'll play records on the air. Maybe I can talk. And the fact that anyone gave me any money to do this was a miracle. So it's almost become such a part of my life that even though I think I'm, I've, I'm done, I worry that if I walked away, I would miss it too much. So I really don't know myself that well. So I got nervous. I said, maybe I'll walk away. And then, and then even the psychiatrist said to me, why don't you admit you like it, that you enjoy a connection with your audience, that you enjoy talking to people? Yes. And I said, I, no, I don't. It's a pain in the ass. Fuck this. And I, I, why don't you sit and think about that? And I said, you know what? I, it's true. He's right. But do you think it's because part of your success has been driven by a, a kind of angst and so once you get success, you're like, well, I have to replace that with a different angst because I don't know. You sometimes go, you sometimes think, well, I don't know if it's the angst that's driven the success or I've driven the angst and the success has driven that. I don't know. So it's a look, I think it's a really, really uh, incredible thing to do to go. No, I, I need this. I like this. I like doing this. That is, I think that is a really quite profound thing. And I know it won't feel it to most people who would, who would be listening to it, but I understand what you mean because you feel like, well, I'm an artist. I'm a there. You know, I want to paint all day and I want to do this. I want to do that. And actually, when you, when you boil it down, you go, oh, no, then maybe there's a chance that this three hours of my day is the only time I'm truly completely present here. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not doing anything yep. else other than just being here right now. And, like, I actually think that's the success to, to anything is to just, if you, if you can just be here now. Like, Oasis released an album called Be, be Here Now, and I think I was about 17 at the time. And I remember thinking it was a terrible al album title. Now, today, at 42, I think it might be the best album title imaginable because actually that's all there is is to be here right now everything behind you is gone everything in front of you is absolutely unknown so if you're just here now trying to do your best trying to be the best version of yourself right here and then when this finishes and you go downstairs and you talk to your wife to be the best version of yourself that you can right now knowing that you'll fail 15 times a day but if you're if all you're thinking about is going, what's in front of me now? And I will be the best version of myself. Because so much of our time we're like, oh, i got to do this. But it's the thing next week that matters more. Next week might never come. So if you're only right now just existing here going, well, what's the best version I can be? Safe in the knowledge that I will fail at this more often than I succeed. Then I think you're in the right sort of space to be at peace with the fact that you, Howard Stern, are really, really successful. And people really love your show. And I'm one of them. And that's okay. And it's okay to do that. And it's okay to do this for as long as you want to do it for. And you don't have to provide that angst. You don't have to carry it. Because we're all in it with you. We're in all of it.
And I wonder how long you're going to keep doing it. We're going to see. This is going to be interesting. We're going we're gonna to see. We'll see well, how, how long. How long do you think I should do it for? How long do you think I should do it for? I think you've, you've locked into something you enjoy, that you're good at. It, 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 it plays up all of the things that you'd want to do in show business. You can go and do a, a musical with Ariana Grande on your show. You can do a monologue. You can talk to a guest. I think it's kind of a perfect gig for you. I mean, you're good at it. Well, last I, night was a good example of, like, open with a big song with Ariana Grande. Then we interviewed California Governor Gavin Newsom where we talked about the lifting of this. We talked about the homelessness crisis in L.A. And we, you know, talked about it. We got kind of deep at points and did that. And then he left and Migos came out and we had a great chat with Migos. And that, I'm like, as the day goes, I'm like, that is kind of incredible, you know. So yeah. I'm very happy right now. I don't know. It will always be more of a logistical conversation than, than the show as such because I, I really, really, I really, really enjoy all the people I go to work with, you know. I tell you, I finally came to the conclusion. Sometimes I'm off for two weeks, right? And at the end of the two weeks, I'm like, I'm sort of like jonesing for the connection to the audience. You know what I mean? I finally kind of confronted that and said, yeah, you know, I do need that connection to my audience. So, I mean, once you realize that, maybe you just keep doing it until, you know, they tell you you can't do it anymore, I guess. But um, you've got to be ready for that day, though. You've got to be ready for yep. that day. You've got to be emotionally ready for that day. You've got to be emotionally ready to be like, I, I've got, you've got to put the building blocks in place to be ready for when this isn't there so that you don't just, so that you see it as like, right, what's the, what's the next adventure? And that's not to say you have to do anything grand, but what's the next adventure? And what's the next thing that I would like to achieve and do, you know? All right, here's the last question. You're a talk show host. There are yeah. two people I'm going to mention. You can only have one of them as a guest that night. So in essence, I'm asking you, who would be the better guest for you? Okay. Beyonce or Taylor Swift? Who do you choose for that night? Don't cop out. Well, you got to choose one. I'm not going to cop out. It but, would be thrilling, I guess. Um. Because I really, I really love Taylor Swift, but she's been on the show before. She's been a guest on the show before. We've we've done bits with her, skits with her, stuff like that. So for that reason, it would I would always pick the guest who's not been on before. So it would be Beyonce. But for that's the oh. only reason it would be, is because she's just she she hasn't been on the show. So you know, hopefully that day will come and we'll do that. But that yeah, that would be the reason. You know what uh, fantasy uh, discussion I want with you off the air one day. I want you to tell me who are all the stiffs on your show. I'm talking about those guests that come on and they got nothing to say. And you're sitting there going, you know, you son of a bitch. Why did you come on my show? You've got nothing to say. You're not giving me anything. I can't wait to have that discussion with you. I think we should I all get I don't know together. if that happens as much as it used to. I think mm -hmm. people are a lot more savvy now. I think they are. I think, I don't, I, I think back in the days of like Carson, early Letterman, where you'd perhaps be out there for two parts. And, you know, I, I think that happens a lot less today than it used to. I think people are very, very savvy now of who they need to be on talk shows. I think the fact that, you know, people are on Instagram in their dressing room and then they walk down and they're on our show. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if that happens as much as it, as it used to. 
Let's put it this way. One day I'll get you to talk some shit about somebody. There's got to be somebody you don't like. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to we're going to get to it. I mean, there's got to be something. You're you telling me stand. there's a dark soul in there somewhere. Howard. Of course. Listen, his mother was sitting and praying that he get back to normal. I'm telling you, inside James Corden, there is a dark soul. I mean, I'm not saying it's huge, but he probably sits there at night with his wife and says, I just can't stand this person. You know what I mean? All right. Here's your last choice. You can only have one. Of these people, Paris Hilton or okay. a live kangaroo, who would you choose? <laughs> a kangaroo that talks? <laughs> kangaroo talks, that's right. I don't know, those animal segments, they do rate well on YouTube. They you know, do. Tell you, but I think I'd choose I'm a, Paris Hilton. I'm a Paris Hilton fan too. I mean, I lie. I have her on any time. I've never met her. I never met her, but I think I'd have her on. I find her sexy. You know, call me uh, whatever you want, but uh, that's the way Look, it is. I'm going with the kangaroo. You guys, well, you have Paris Hilton. I'm winning that night because I've got the talking kangaroo. <laughs> Go ahead, interview the kangaroo. See what he's got to say. He's going to talk about that he shits in the woods. I don't know what that is. <laughs> would you have Caitlyn Jenner on during a campaign, or do you feel you would be used by the campaign? Would you be uh, willing to have her on to talk about her politics? Yeah, I'd have Caitlyn. Yeah, of course, we'd have Caitlyn Jenner on the show. Yeah, we have done before, and we would do again. Absolutely. Interesting. All right, listen. You've said it all. You're doing it all. You're lighting show business on fire. We don't know what you're worth. You don't know what you're worth. <laughs> but to me, you're worth a lot. I love you. Don't worry about anything. I love you too. I'm going to go see Peter Rabbit because I like the look of it. I like those rabbits. They look real. And I think I, you'd rather I, enjoy it. Yeah. I want to see what you're up to. And there's no sex between them. Even though rabbits are the most sexual animals. Yeah, you've heard always. the expression. Yeah. Always. But no, there's not, no but sex. There are some jokes. There are some, there are some very, very, very subtle jokes that allude to such a thing. Oh, really? I don't know if that's in this one or the first one. That might be in the first one. I'm not sure. You have a rabbit wife, in other words, and there is uh, sex in the movie. Peter does not. No, he has not reached no. that, that part of his life yet. I'm glad. I don't like cartoons that have sex in it. I don't. It's not my thing. But uh, listen, James, let's just remind our audience. The TV <laughs> show, 1237, the late, late show, weeknights, 1237. We got that going on. It's on CBS. We have Peter Rabbit 2. Unbelievable. Everyone said there'll never be a Peter Rabbit 2, and yet it happened. Here it is. And we also have... Well, that's enough. How much more well, do you need? You got the Where friends can reading. We see Peter Rabbit too. Is it only in, in the theaters? theaters? In theaters now. It's in theaters. It's in Very theaters. Good. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Last question: Would you eat rabbit if I took you to a restaurant? Or now, <laughs> do you feel some affinity for rabbits? I well, I've tried rabbit before years ago. I don't think I would try it again. No, I'm actually trying to sort of stop trying to to carve the. I'm trying my best to to carve the meat for want of a better phrase, out of my diet as best I as best I can. So I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't join you in the rabbit fest. Good. You look terrific. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. And, uh, and, and, it, and if we should go to war again with Britain, would oh. you be on our side or would you be on the side of Britain? Where do you feel an allegiance? So I'd, let, be on, I'd, be on, I'd be on Britain's side in a heartbeat. You would. You would. Shocking. I'd have to. That's the I'd headline. Have to. If you lived in London, if you lived in London and you take this show in London and America went to war with Britain, you wouldn't be like, well, I live here. But luckily, I think that's not going to be an issue, and I don't think but that's going to happen. But look, America has embraced you. You didn't have a late-night show in Britain. You have a late-night show in America. 
You're going to choose... I love America. I don't think this is an issue we're going to have to worry about, Howard. I really don't. This doesn't but sound like love. I've been here for six years, and I lived there for 36 years. So, so you're you going to have to go answer. and arrest James Corden when the yeah. war breaks out. Howard. If there's a war between our two countries... <laughs> I'm going to have him thrown out. There's a war in our countries, and I'm I'm needed. We're all in trouble. I tell you that right right. (laughs) Well, listen, you've given me way too much time. Thank you for being so generous with your time. I know you've got a show to do. It's so nice to see you, Howard. Bless you. Great to see you, and, uh, you know, and we'll we'll talk again sometime. And uh, the best of luck. That's it. And uh, it's good to see you again. All my love. There he is, James Corden. Cheers, Howard. Cheers. Cheers. Imagine that he would he would be on the side of England if he's going to take up arms against us. Wow. Yeah. And I thought know. this guy was I thought he was on our team. <laughs> you know, behind that uh smiling exterior. Well, I told you there was a dark side. In fact, I can read the headline <laughs> now in the Daily Mail. James Corden hates America <laughs> and would would take up arms against America oh, if uh, there was a war between them. Yeah. Unbelievable. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, is a very pleasant guy. I, I, I enjoy talking to him. A very evolved young man. Uh, that's what I always love about him. He's very thoughtful. You know, he doesn't just answer questions he thinks about them do you think it's true that he says that he doesn't know his net worth uh yes i don't think he has the exact figure but he knows of course you know, he that, knows. that's his out i don't know the exact figure i mean because you know he said he don't read the paper he, you know he basically uh keeps himself off uh you know <laughs> social media he he's off social, the doesn't, internet doesn't read <laughs> I mean, I also, you know, I see a but guy. But he knows he can afford the meal when he goes out with Harry Styles. He, yeah, he but, but I see a guy who's really built a bubble around himself, a wall in a sense. And I admire that in a way. No news, no ratings, no bank accounts. It, it's, <laughs> it's remarkable what he's saying if you really listened. I mean. I think maybe he has too many people working for him. When you were giving that list. Of mm-hmm. agents and managers. Maybe that's why there's no money. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody got a hold of them. <laughs> Marianne from Brooklyn. You're on Howard wanted to interview that James Corden got you to admit on day 316, 360, June 16, 2020. You like us. You really, really like us. I absolutely <laughs> like my own. Listen, how like dare you? Us. How dare you and act like that's a revelation? Mary. Yeah, what did she say it is? What year did she say? 2020. 2020. She doesn't know. Some days you, some no, days Marianne, you come in and you like. No, there are days that, you know, you're a misery. Uh, I mean, me, I'm a misery and all this stuff. I know. But uh, of course. Yesterday you were cranky with me, Howard. I'm oh, your most loyal fan and devoted to you. And I love you. But you really said today that you love us. And boy, yes. do I appreciate that, Howard. Well, I you appreciate bet. you so much. I love you, Howard. Right. Thank you, Mary. You. Oh, my God. You can't get a word in it. What I was going to say to her is. Of course, I'd be a fool to say I don't feel a, a deep connection to my audience. The reason we're on the Sirius XM and the reason that uh, we exist is because we have this fabulous audience. 
Uh, having said that, I mean, sometimes when she's yapping away, I want to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you have to leave. Wanna ju- I, I want to jump out a window. <laughs> sure. And I don't like when when uh, when certain people in the audience who are dopey call me up and start in with me about their, their they can't take the vaccine. Meanwhile, they're on heroin. I mean, uh, it is crazy. But. uh Absolutely. But you know, that was very interesting what he said. You have to allow for people's uh, expression, you know, their their opinion. And you don't have to be opposed to it. You just have to say they have a right to their opinion. Well, I don't feel that way. Okay. Uh, with, with due respect to James, <laughs> I don't always think that you have to respect everybody's opinion. There are some people no, who are no, intellectually no, right to have it, not to oh. have respect for the opinion. Well, I don't even have. I don't have. I don't feel everyone should have the right to their own opinion. <laughs> I think people who are against this vaccine should not have a right to their own opinion. I don't think their opinion is safe. I don't think they. They. You know. I, I watch Bill Maher a lot, and he always says, you know, we can't be angry with people who voted for Trump, or we can't be right. angry with this or that. I am angry with these people. <laughs> I am angry with people who don't see. Bill says you can't be angry with half the country. Well, I am. <laughs> I, I am. I, I mean, uh, I pretty much agree with Bill on a lot of things, but not that. I can be angry about it. I'm an angry guy a lot of the day. Well, uh, I think that there's something to just at least listening. I don't, I'm not good at it either. I mean, me I either. hear what they're saying and I know what actually happened. They're in some fantasy land. They don't even deal with facts anymore, but. Yeah. I don't see how I can listen to that. <laughs> I just can't. I can't listen to, I can't listen to somebody making up stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, then they go, oh Yeah. Well, the vaccine causes uh, magnets to be attached to your head. I go, well, I'm vaccinated. I can't attach. I I wish I was Magneto. I wish I could make metal objects. That's right. Nothing sticking to my head. Yeah. I stayed up last night. I was watching that Avengers movie again where Magneto goes crazy. They kill. Yeah, yeah, they kill. I've seen it a couple of times. They kill Magneto's family. He's trying to live a fucking normal life. He's out there in the woods working in Poland, speaking Polish. His wife's Polish, his kid's Polish, or something like that. And you know, I don't know, with some of these movies, I don't. Even, I can't even follow an Avengers movie. But <laughs> he's basically said, I'm going to go live a life. I'm not going to be Magneto. Well, sure enough, they find out he's Magneto. They kill his wife. They kill his kid. I don't he know goes why bizarre. they always have to kill the family. Uh, yeah. Couldn't the family be useful? Yeah, it's an X-Men movie. And uh, then there's this guy who wants to take over the world, a bad guy. Magneto joins up with him, and then Magneto decides, no, maybe I shouldn't join up with him. This Magneto is such a pussy. He has no fucking conviction. He decides, I'm going to be a villain. I'm mad at the world. I'm going to kill everyone. And I'm going to team up with another supervillain. And then 10 minutes later, somebody talks to him and says, you know, Magneto, deep down inside, you have some really good, uh, there's somebody really good in there. And then he goes, okay. And then he kills the, the bad guy. <laughs> I never saw a guy who doesn't even stick to his convictions. <laughs> you don't want to go to war well, and have Magneto know, on your side. You just said you don't know yourself. Magneto doesn't know himself. I know so when I'm at you war. You can't rely on him. <laughs> you wouldn't send me to Vietnam. When I was in Vietnam, I didn't turn around and start, start shooting at my own soldiers. <laughs> Are you kidding? That's called treason. 
but um, Magneto is so fucking confused. I love that guy who, uh, that guy who plays Magneto. Yeah. Who, oh, oh, that's, um, God, what is his name? I see his face. Yeah. Don't matter. Just that guy. Just call him Magneto. That's what I'll call him. James, is it, it's Fassbender. What's his first name? James. Michael? Michael. Michael Fassbender. There you go. Was that his name? I never knew that. Yeah. And I like that guy who uh, plays uh, Professor Xavier. Uh, that's James McAvoy. I know him. He's another one. He always seems like they're about to kill him. He can't do anything. He's in a wheelchair, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, he, he, he projects himself into someone's head and kills him. Like, it's like, well, dude, why'd you wait so long? Well, these, this is what's wrong with all these superhero movies. Hmm. Somehow, everybody's better than the superhero until yeah. the very end. I like that kid, too, who um, takes off his glasses and he can shoot those beams out of his eyes. But the, but he's got to wear glasses. It's kind of a sucky superpower. Like, well, yeah, could kill- Especially if you can't control it. Yeah, like he's got to wear shades all the time. Although I look better in shades. That might be a good power for me. Cyclops or whatever his name is. And then he's dating the girl who, uh, I'm not even sure what her power is. She kind of, she's so. She's, she's like more so- powerful than Magneto. Yeah. But that's all we ever appear. know. <laughs> but but they have to keep telling her she's more powerful than me. Gene, you're going to be brilliant. You're you're the most powerful. And she's like, oh, I didn't know that. How come I don't know that? How do you know that? And as soon as she figures out how what her powers are, she goes bad. Yeah. <laughs> what a cunt. Right, Robin? <laughs> that's right. You bitch. <laughs> Instead of helping everybody, she becomes like really nasty. Yeah. Yeah, Jean Grey is her name. And then how about that weird guy? He's got a cool power. He can touch you and transport you places, but he's got a big rat tail and a rat face. Like, why does he have to look <laughs> yeah, like a rat? Fortunate. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, I kind of look like that guy. Badly. <laughs> I look like a rat. But the other thing is that storm. That's the worst. You, you don't like her the power? The other superpowers are bad. Hers is the worst. Controlling weather, though? You could shoot lightning at people. That's pretty cool. But, she, you know, it's always like, oh, no. Complete devastation if she uses her powers. Right. There's no limiting it. No. Well, that's the same with the Cyclops. He takes off those glasses and he eviscerates everything around. Like, he can't even <laughs> control it. So what good is it? Yeah. But Professor Xavier said well, you could learn how to control your, your vision, but he hasn't yet. Cyclops. Right. And nor yeah. has a storm. She just is, you know, houses are going to go flying off their foundations right. when she whips up a storm. Yeah, I could see why regular humans want to kill her. Like, she's just out of control. <laughs> By the way, next Tuesday, David Crosby will be here. I love this guy. Ah. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, one of my favorite musical. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Or, yeah. da- or Crosby, Stills, Nash. I mean, what that I love is that we're that... the only ones who will get together with David anymore. Oh, anytime he wants. <laughs> I love the guy. I know the, the rest, rest of I know them. The... Crosby, Stills, and uh, Nash well, and no, Young. Stills, Na- Stills, Nash, and Stills, Young want Nash nothing to do Young. with him. But I want something <laughs> to do with him. I'm going to straighten that out. That's going to be my goal next Tuesday. Is I'm that gonna right? Get... Okay. Yeah, I want those guys getting a, a reunion together. 
And uh, hey, and speaking of the Friends reunion, um, Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, and Lisa Kudrow will be here next Wednesday. And wow, yeah, I'll get to the bottom of all of it. Well, we'll find out on. if Matthew Perry was serious. Nobody called. I don't think they do call him. <laughs> I really don't. I I I was watching the Friends reunion, and he goes, "Well, nobody's called me ever, like hardly ever." Oh, I, but I don't think it was a joke. I didn't take it as a joke. I took it as like, yeah, no one wants to call you. And <laughs> I don't know why. A friend that nobody calls. Yeah, I'm going to ask the girls that. You know, I don't know if they'll answer it, but I would love a truthful answer. Like, <laughs> you know what? We don't like him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. He's just not like a guy you want to talk to on the phone. We worked with him, but we just tolerated him. That's it. <laughs> you know? I can believe they don't. Listen, I worked on a movie. I don't call everyone from the movie. I'm, you know you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I work on this show. I know if if we end the show, and, you know, like like friends, we end the show. I'm not, I don't think I'm calling Fred. I mean, <laughs> I really don't. Stop it. You better call Fred. Why? Just because. Why do I have to hear it? <laughs> you think uh, just because you're on a show called Friends doesn't mean you're all friends, you know? And it's the same here. Right. I mean, I mean, I I don't think I'd be in touch with Sal. Oh, I don't. I think that's yeah. You you don't have to be in touch with Sal. But I'm going to pick up. The Nobody phone. would require that of you. I'd have to have like no. I'd have to have no life to call Sal. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, You're I'd, I'd have to be Richard like before Sal. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to be like Ronnie sitting by the pool, uh, and like going, "I got nothing to do. I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> the I spoke phone's to Robin. not ringing. Yeah, <laughs> nothing's happening. <laughs> you know, you call Sal, and you know it'll be depressing. Like, I'm gonna pick up the phone and call JD, and you know what the conversation's gonna be? Uh, can you? Could you give me some money? I've been unable to find a job, and I got a family to support. And I'll be like, "Fuck you!" I told you. Yeah. Sell some you know, baseball cards you got. Yeah, yeah. How's your baseball card collection coming? <laughs> uh, real good. I, I wish I could find work. <laughs> Nobody wants you to watch TV for them. No. <laughs> but I got a new Mike Trout baseball card. <laughs> like I need money for rent though or whatever. I'm thinking of selling some of my cards. I don't know. Here, let's pretend it's let's say it's the year 2035. Okay. I'm retired. I'll call Fred. You ready? Okay. Hey Fred, how you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm busy. Call back later. <laughs> 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 Fred lets you no, go to Fred. voicemail. No, Fred, Fred, <laughs> I just want to talk to you, man. I miss you. I want to talk I to you. Want to say hello? Yeah, yeah. What's going on? Call me next week. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck you. I don't want to talk to you. Well, thanks a lot, Fred. I finally put myself out there and called him, and you see what happened. It backfired. <laughs> we'll see what. No, happens. I really in twenty years. No, I will call you. I will call Rob, and think you know that's it. I don't even think I'd call Gary. Oh, stop it. You'll call Gary. I don't think so. You'll call me. (laughs) Both. 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 I want to talk to you. I have to be that guy. Mm. 
Gee, I haven't spoken to Boff in a long time. And I really don't think I would speak to Gary. Why? Because hmm. like, I mean, nothing, I really don't. Talk. I mean, what would we talk about? You know. I mean, I, now if I speak to you, it's about work. I mean. Yeah, but we can talk about, you know. Listen, you're not talking to me about anything. But we right. might talk about what are you listening to, what you're watching, <laughs> how your life I want to know that now. <laughs> Both. Guess what I'm listening to? Steel Dan. <laughs> on vinyl oh hey that's cool gary i'm sitting here with nothing to do sounds like you're having a good time yeah i'm drinking scotch too it's not Petey. Mm. no i don't know yep. i guess maybe i would call you i don't know or you could call me would you take my call hmm. no i would take your call if you ever called me sure i'd take your call and then you i could berate you. you for all your new hobbies <laughs> yeah, the best, here's the best thing. Yeah. It, it, then you have nobody to talk. You have nobody to berate. You're like, you have nobody to tell except for me. That I can handle. No, he'll call me call. immediately. Guess oh, okay. what, Robin? <laughs> I know, but to, to Robin, really you're not going to believe it. Yeah, I had to talk to Gary in seven years, and I called him, and he's drinking scotch. Yeah, but you know what? To recreate the abuse I take here, he'd have to call you know a million people a day. Right. <laughs> no, what I'd probably do is call you and set a timer for like five minutes so I'll know to get off. Wait, wait. But uh I haven't made you my list. <laughs> yeah, he's got some new lists. My knees know, are back but, to normal. I'm thinking about running again. But I guarantee you, the, the cast of Friends, they don't call each other all the time. Well, and you I, know that um, Courtney and um, Jennifer are really close. Yeah, that I know. That I know. Yeah. So I don't Courtney even know. And Lisa. Because I don't they, know about they, that. They all are wanted they? to do this together. They all wanted oh. to do this thing together. Like they're, they're, a, a, I, I, now I think the three of them are close. Right. I suspect they don't talk to the guys that much. Yeah. The guys are probably gross. And yeah. I don't think the guys are a group. Like I don't think swimmer. Right. Calls they aren't calling each other either. Right. Right. Yeah. I think the ladies, I think, um, um, Jen and, uh, Courtney and, uh, Lisa talk to one another and they keep tabs on one another. Cause that's what, you know, that's the thing about guys. And I'm a guy. I am, I'm not keeping tabs. I'm not. Who am I checking in with? What are you talking about? Dudes what you do that. is keep tabs. Not really. If I'm retired, like, I'm going to call you. you? I mean, you like seriously. You like to know who's up to what. I do. I'm a yenta. But Robin can tell me. Nobody tells me any gossip. Oh, you're, you're such a yenta. Gossip. It's true. I call Robin. I fill her in. <laughs> <laughs> I do. That's why I said if Gary called you, you'd immediately call me. Right. I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, I won't call. <laughs> don't call. <laughs> better, better Come on, you're robbing us of a great conversation. You know what you ought to do? <laughs> you should create a newsletter and email it to me. There you go. There you go. Gary's you know Gary's uh, email. Gotta go. Call me Matthew Perry. See you later. Right. <laughs> well, anyway, we should get out of here. Oh, here's you know that call. Val will always take your phone call. That's all you have to do. Uh, if you ever need somebody to talk to. Yeah, he can talk to me about how he ate an apple and then connected him to the universe. Yeah, he'll tell you about the squirrel and how it's doing and the birds. You know who I will call? I'm going to call Stephanie, Ron, Ronnie's fiance, and you know, in, in the future, and just say, you know, hey, I miss Ronnie too. You know, I'm sure you do. Um, uh, what do you mean? You're well, Ronnie's calling after Ronnie's it. gone? Yes, I'm going to call her up oh. and see how she's doing. I'm going to check in on her. Make sure she's okay. <laughs> Ronnie, you don't know her. If you, Ronnie gets caught in the Las Vegas heat. And, uh, <laughs> it's going to just kill him. 
He's like a frog on the sidewalk. He just kind of <laughs> melts onto it. It <laughs> becomes one with the sidewalk. Uh, what's the temperature in... Uh, before we go, someone check the temperature in Vegas right now. I want to know what it is. I'll call her up. Hey, how you doing without Ronnie? Oh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm I'm doing fine. My my husband and I are, you know. Yeah, what? She she's having a party. Yeah, yeah. She, so it's a shame what happened to Ronnie. Yeah, I, I never expected that kind of any. He melted on the uh, sidewalk like an ice cream cone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a support group, and you know, when I tell them how my husband died, <laughs> <laughs> they can't believe it. He was like a human ice cream cone. Hey, John. Ninety-three degrees, Howard. Wow. It, and by the way, it's and eight in the morning there. What time in the morning? What time? It's eight it? in the morning there. Uh, Eleven here. Oh nine in the morning. Right. Well, by by noon it'll be up to one hundred sixteen. I guess that's, right. that's the high for tonight. That's when Ronnie's going to melt. <laughs> I'm worried about him. I love the guy. I don't want to see him melt. Well, there's a drought there. I know. In addition, the air conditioning to all of this. Oh my! The God. air conditioning goes out. I'm going to be worried. And we'll see. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, maybe I will call a few people. I would call Ronnie if I was retired. I like talking mm. to Ronnie. I, I would talk to you. Fred, of course. Just making a joke. No. <laughs> Gary, yes. I'll call everyone. It'll be like I'm doing a show. <laughs> All right. We're going to go, everybody. Everybody. Later. Bye.